Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We ship out to Nam this week with Oliver Stone's 1986 Vietnam War epic, Platoon. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Hello. Mike B. Mm-hmm. And Nate. You know, I'm somewhat of a scientist myself. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, do you think we should do the whole village or just half the village? Oh, Oof. I would say the whole village. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bunny. But, uh, scene, man. yeah, you know, don't really need much of an intro. If you haven't heard of this movie, you either, you know, are like a time traveler from before 1986 or like you live under a rock. So, um, yeah, you know, Platoon just kind of speaks for itself. So much has been said about this film. Good, bad, the ugly for so many different reasons, right and wrong. And there's been so many reviews you know yeah you know it's yep. it's like if if anybody's really seen a war film it's probably a platoon especially if you're like a gen z or xer well and here's the thing is like i do want to mention this is like this came from uh i put a poll on my um youtube community tab thing and uh, i was like hey what war film would you like us to review next or like not necessarily in that order but like hey and then it was overwhelmingly platoon. Hmm. I don't remember the percentage, but like and, and a lot of comments were, yeah, it's been done before, but we'd like to hear your comments on it, you know? And yep. So yeah, it definitely. So that's why we're doing this. A big 11.2 thousand people voted. 70% of the 16,000 vote uh, <laughs> voted for platoon. Yep. So here we are. There's a shitload <laughs> of comments and it's like, okay, I'll do it. Even though I've seen this film Many times, and all of us, I think, have. Was ever, all except for one, actually. Can you guess? <laughs> Nathan? Uh, sorry, I was typing. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, I didn't watch the movie. I, guess, uh, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I had never seen it before. I've always oh, wow. seen clips on TNT, yeah. and I it was like that movie where you know I wanted to see it all these years, but then it's not free. I don't want to pay for it. Yeah. Um, so but really quick, I had to ask, did you watch the whole thing? Yes. Okay. All right. We're good. <laughs> That's why we do this. You <laughs> did the whole village, man. Yeah. You yeah. did it. I did the, I did the whole sure, village. You just want yeah, to make no, sure the, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. did the whole village and, and, and went in the tunnel, the weapons. got a t-shirt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well that, that actually gives context to like the conversation we're about to have because yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, I mean like I, yeah. yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I hadn't, I hadn't, I'd seen clips over the years. I had seen like, ha- like a quarter of the yeah, movie, yeah, of course, yeah. But I never saw it start to finish, and then I want, I never mm-hmm. wanted to go half ass, so I'd always change the channel after, uh, like, yeah. it's a slow part of the movie. But uh, no, it, it's, it was very, um, it was very interesting. I can see a lot of references, and Tropic Thunder makes so much more sense to me now. <laughs> even even lines from Tropic Thunder are from Platoon, which makes so much more sense for some of the things. Like, if the machine breaks down, we break down. And then he said that line, and I just like, oh, that's what Robert Downey Jr. says yep. <sighs> when he's trying to pump Ben Stiller up and goes, you know, do you lift? Do you lift? 
Did you, did you, like, give me that. <laughs> he takes the mat from him. So it's like, that's when he says that. So I always thought that was like a line that I laughed at uh, from Tropic Thunder. But no, that's from Platoon. That's a, so it was it was really funny to go through that and finding all the lines. That's always a great moment when you like you you um, get a joke in reverse to where like, you know, you, you, you've always like known the, the that reference, but you've never seen what they're referencing. But then you eventually watch right. it and you're like, oh, my God, it's like a light bulb goes right. off. Well, well, I mean, like, I mean, like the obvious ones, like Ben Stiller taking all the hits and throwing his hands in the air. Like, yeah, no, I knew that was from Platoon. Like, right. I knew that. That's why I yeah. laughed because I always seen shot, those clips. Yeah. I just yeah. whacked my mic again. Goddamn, second week in a row, Nate. Jesus. Good Christ. work. So, <laughs> the, Brian, Brian's overloading his fucking mic. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the uh, so like, um, but like, so I got those references. But like the single lines and some of the the the, the characters, it totally makes sense. What they were, what Tropic Thunder was drawing from, and it would just made me laugh even more. Um, in terms of from tro- realizing it was from Tropic Thunder, not that Platoon was funny, but but the fact that Tropic Thunder was was stealing a lot from that and taking a lot of references Sick from fuck. that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I cackle yeah. laugh when they took on the whole village. So yeah, mm. there you go. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, um, but no, it was. Uh, it was very interesting to see all that, you know, like what, like you just said, Mike, like a joke in reverse and getting all those references and then, uh, uh, really liking a lot of the characters and the character development and then watching them all just get immediately taken out, like at the very end, which was interesting. Like, um, I'll just jump right into that. But like, I, I wasn't expecting the psychotic bunny guy and or Jared to be killed. Like, so just like that. Like, it wasn't like, oh, last stand. Like, I get it. Some of them were killed like that. But, like, I thought, like, Jared would just be knocked out. And then all of a sudden, some dude's just, like, you know, poking holes in him. And it's just like, oh, Jesus. Like, that was, oh. So, like, things like that. So, it was, it was, it was, I think it was really well done. Um, and I liked it. Um, but it definitely is a Vietnam movie in the 80s. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, and that, that's not a bad thing because it's no. very fresh in the minds of, you know what I mean? Well, well, one, well actually, one more thing because it just jogged my memory. One yep. more thing I would like to say is that I think this movie set in a lot of the cliches that we see for the next 20 years. Oh, absolutely, yes. And I think that is what I mean. I think that's what I draw from seeing this movie the most is that I am seeing the start of of the clone copies of yes. them trying to replicate the success of this film. Correct. Which yep. I think is where I see a lot of the cliche things when it happens. I'm like, oh, come on. like Or, oh, man, okay, it's doing that. And then I had to think about it and go, well, this is probably what set that course, so give it a second and then see how it plays out before you it, kind of react to it. It's like uh, there's a funny show, The Flight of the Concords, and uh, if everybody's seen it, and, and one of the, the shows, like, this guy comes really famous because they make like the song and everything. They make all this money and they're like, fuck you. You know, they leave the main characters behind. And like a few episodes later, they come back and they're like, oh, we're in trouble. Like, what do you mean? And they have a music video of the song they made. Like, well, we made this, but these assholes ripped us off 30 years ago with the same exact thing. You know, what the fuck? And it was like this funny <laughs> case of like, you know, well, this Polish band, you know, they copied us in the 70s. But it's just funny where, where the real origin of things lie, you know? And, and, and also seeing and also getting a lot more of the. Uh the music I, I've heard that music, that theme that they used constantly in a bunch of other things and not realizing that was ever from really from Platoon. So then that made it like again, it's like I like how I, I'm gonna say it because I like how Mike A said it, but it's like getting jokes in reverse. Like, like oh that's why that's funny. Or oh, that, that's why that was interesting. So like yeah, so 
Um, no, that's my, my what quick I think little is intro. Actually, funny about this is this is released on December twenty fourth, nineteen eighty six. This is a Christmas movie release. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, like fucking hey, dude, let's go, let's go to Vietnam. You know, that's a. I just got like a cabbage patch kid. <laughs> Fuck yeah! <laughs> like, yeah. It'd be great. Wow, Daddy, um, what ti- did you do in Plaiku? I'll I'll also <laughs> say Tiger Blood is real, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Just, like come to che- watching come machine jokes. Yeah, watch, watching him act, man. I'm just like, oh god. He, I think you didn't think he was good. You didn't like him, Nate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't right. know. We'll we'll get to that. Okay. So, um, okay, Nate, you've gotten your opening fucking statements. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike A. So, um, this was a movie that uh, I've seen it. I haven't seen it a ton. I've seen it maybe like three or four times. And I didn't see it until I was, uh, I don't know, like in high school. I think I didn't. I didn't see it until uh, a little bit later. Like most films that I, you know, grew up with, um, I had seen when I was a kid and all that stuff. But this was kind of a little bit later. And um, I, um, I think it's very well done. Like I said, I get all of the like, oh, this set the precedent for this, you know, type of thing. And I, I get that. Um, I. Don't necessarily love this movie. Um, I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't cherish it. Kind of, kind of like what I said last week about Glory. It's not nearly on the same level. But like this, I think it's a very well done movie. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, for me, like Oliver Stone, he has three Vietnam War films, and like just Born on the Fourth of July, I think is just better. And I, I kind of stick to that one when it comes to his his stuff. And. Um, uh, but I think it's still real. I mean, I, I get it. I get why it's so big, why it was so influential and famous at the time, and so powerful. I mean, it's, it is very powerful in many, in you know, many parts. Um, good, 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 solid movie. Um, I, uh, but I'm not again. I'm not like a huge, you know, like oh my god, Platoon is the ultimate war movie. You know, I'm not like that. There, are, there are a lot of those people too. I know that's why, and yeah, that was probably my kind of maybe my reluctance to like really like it when I first saw it. Cause when I first saw it, I was like, I don't get what the big deal is. But then I saw it a few other times and I was, but like, and that was part of it is that people would just like rave about this movie, you know, like, Oh my God, platoon this and that. And so I was like, I mean, I like apocalypse now and, and, uh, things like that. Let's see what this is all about. And yeah, I was like, mm, not exactly the same, but you know, uh, but over the years I've, I've watched it more with like, just, you know, a, trying to clear my mind of my perspective at the time when I saw it. And, um, I've gone to a, grown to appreciate it more every time I watch it. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, I got to kind of put myself in the time period when I watch it, when it, when it's supposed, when it came out, if that makes sense. This, uh, this film for Vietnam is what SPR is for World War II, right. in my opinion, or at least growing up, that's what it always was. Cause like, if you talk to a Vietnam vet, 99% of the time, so would be like, well, have you seen platoon? It's like, same vice versa. We're like, if you meet an ETO vet or World War II vet in general, be like, oh, have you seen Saving Private Ryan? Like that's was it was kind of the standard it had with like the general public. You know, it's like if you're gonna have seen a Vietnam War film, this was, this would have been it at some point. Or my friend saw it, or I saw a VHS tape in the night, whatever. You know, like it's just interesting how this like permeated through culture, <laughs> or American culture at least, um, because you know, you, like you're saying, we, there's a lot of other Vietnam War films at the time. Um, when did uh, what was it? Casualties of War come out? That was the late 80s. 87, I think. 87, 88. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, because you have Apocalypse Now come out, which is like they started filming it before Saigon fell. 
Yeah. And then, like, you fucking, yeah. And then you have, like, a, a little bit of a lag period. And then, you know, mid-80s, late-80s, you have a ton of Vietnam-esque things on. Like, especially for television, you have Tour of Duty, which was this huge TV show that spanned multiple seasons about guys in the country in the 80s. You had China Beach, which was about friggin' uh, U.S. nurses at China Beach. It had, like, four or five seasons. So, like, the late 80s was this, like, prime – or mid to late 80s was prime time for, like, America to be like, well, let's open that wound and talk about it. Yeah. You know, and everyone really tried to talk about it in a different way. You know, like, the TV shows took the MASH approach. Like, oh, ha-ha, you know, and – and this kind of really took that serious approach of just like it's not like you know born on the fourth of July where you get like a very big aspect of the war. It's just you know a dilution of a lot of experiences for the fifteen whatever years we were in country to just you know two hours. Um, so it really did in a way like you know it didn't care about battles even though the Battle of Sui Cut, which they cover at the end, was a real battle. Um, you know it was just kind of more about an experience, which is what Vietnam is because there's a million different Vietnam wars because every guy that went in country had a different Vietnam war, you know? And, uh, that's the reason I think also vets don't like this film as a whole because everyone had their own experiences. We didn't do that in K five, two platoon. Well, fucking that's because each platoon had their own different war. And this is one platoon's war. This isn't your platoon's war. This isn't your buddy's platoon's war. This is their war, you know? And, it's just interesting, you know. That, that's why this film just is so divisive with so many people. Like, just mention Platoon on a Vietnam veteran's Facebook page and just <laughs> see the thousands of comments. Tom Berger was a fucking whatever, you know. Uh, like, you know. I mean, kind of a cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. of the, the time, you know, mm-hmm. almost with, with this, like, this, this, this side of things, you know, war veterans and such. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and, and again, like, we saw what it did later on for films. Like, Nate's saying, like, oh, I didn't know that machine quote was from this or that. And the one thing I thought was interesting that I realized this time around was um, I saw a lot of similarities between, like, the fight around the ruins with the they go to the VC bunker complex before the, the last big battle and the rain where Elias dies and the Forrest Gump battle. Mm. Like, I was yeah. like, holy shit, this is very similar, you know? Um, but there's a lot of similar didn't really make those in, like, cool. Vietnam. Like, but yes. No, but, like, the... But yeah, but, but, uh, as far as cinema, the, yes, yes. yeah. I think a lot of it was influenced from from that, you know, in a, not necessarily a bad way, but I thought that was kind of interesting. So, um, uh, I I had never seen Casualties of War. I've never seen Casualties of War. I just looked it up. Um, we'll get and, to uh, it. We should I, definitely I, do that one. It's yeah. uh, it's interesting. I, I didn't I'll say that. <laughs> I, I didn't know Michael J. Fox was actually in a Vietnam film. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was so like his big serious was. movie. Um, yeah, it's, it's back to Vietnam. It's a pretty fucked up movie. Like, yeah. uh, okay. Well, it doesn't uh, look yeah. a lot like Vietnam, though. From what I remember, like walking on train tracks a lot and shit. And there's been a long time. I think there's one scene it, where but... they are. Yeah, there's all. I just the trailer's got the majority of it's like screaming Sean Penn and then Michael. It J. was uh, and then lots of John C. Riley's first movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, Mike B, you want to jump in your intro and then we'll, we'll dive in. Well, the intro, like, I do want to. I do want to kind of like touch on what brian was talking about it like yes i've heard the same thing and like a lot of vietnam vets have been like well platoon is the closest thing but also in any war okay you talk to vets from most of those guys are not going to be combat vets like in the 25th id in 67 
in what, what the should we cut right yep <clears throat> all right they're not going to be there and they're going to go ah eh, it was close it just wasn't what i went through well yeah of course it's a movie right and it's like you can't get anything pinned down and most of the people that i've actually um the vietnam vets that i've heard say yeah the closest thing is platoon you gotta watch it i find out later they were like like pogues, like just, and it's not like, it's not like diminishing their service or anything like they did or whatever. It's just like, yeah, you never, you, the biggest piece of action you saw is the last time your finger poked through the toilet paper when you were wiping your ass. Like, yes, that's the most action you saw in Vietnam is when your finger poked through that. But like, it's fine. But a lot of these guys are like, yeah, go see platoon. So it's like, it, it skews the, uh, it skews the reality of it. And like, the combat vets that I've met from Vietnam, the actual combat vets, very few and far between because you got to think about it this way. In the Army, right, just the Army, not any other branch, about 90% of people are support. 10% of people are direct support to the guys that are doing this shit, like the aviation guys, the fucking whatever, actually going out and doing that shit. So you've got less than 10% of the entire population of the military in a combat zone doing combat shit. So how are they going to accurately be able to tell you how combat like we see in platoon was? And that's, that's the thing that you have to think about. Like, again, not disparaging anything that any of these people did that were, you know, in, in country doing their thing. But like, The guys that are combat vets, they've said, yeah, it's it's okay. It's it's close. And I'm like, okay, that's an accurate answer. And it's like, it doesn't take anything away from the film because Oliver Stone was a combat vet. He actually did his time. He has been there, done that. But like, to portray it on, on the film, on, on, on a big screen, and sell it, and make it really good, is a very hard thing. And... So I guess my long-winded rant is, <clears throat> yes, a lot of people have said it's the closest thing we can get to the experience of a combat infantryman in Vietnam. But it's a movie. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Like, I get it. Um, yeah, so I... Bottom line is, like, I've heard that thing a million times. I also respect the film, how it was made. These guys spent a shitload of time in the Philippines, right? Training for this. That's where it was filmed. Um, it's not good. It's fucking... Uh, the physical exertion you have to do to be an infantryman, especially in a jungle environment, is insane. And these guys actually portrayed that very well because, you know, at the beginning of the film, he, he gets sick and he falls out, basically. And he's like, whatever. And the, but the guys know how to treat him, and it's good. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of details that were good. There's a lot of things that were just kind of like, well, we only have so much time to portray this in terms of like cg in the film it was funny it was there's a few things that um 
kind of stood out. There were some weird green screens and stuff like that. Um, I guess I'll jump into editing and stuff like that, uh, going off into that idea. But there was, uh, the editing wasn't kind of, it was funny. It was very, um, there was nothing cinematography wise that made me go, oh, whoa. It just felt very much like, well, that was well done. And that was well done. And that was well done. And it's mostly almost all of the, all the, the, the pyrotechnics is all, you know, practical. There's, you know, flashes across the screen, but that's like Star Wars flashes um, of the time. There was one special effects scene in this movie that made me laugh my ass off was the shot of the jet going across the yeah, sky. Yeah, slowly, like... Which, yeah, like, <laughs> like, not even going, like, straight. It was, like, going on, like, an angle, yeah. like, like 45 degrees, moving slowly Maybe cut to that sky. for just, like, one and a half seconds, and that's it. It was, it was like a space... It was like a UFO spaceship yeah. gliding across... Yeah, yeah cute. This yeah. is before they made Jurassic Park, so remember where we are. Yeah, <laughs> it, well, it, just, it just looked like... It just looked like someone had, like, a little model airplane going, like... The Filipinos were using their F or Phantom the real insurgents. I saw the I same thing know, when I was so. watching it last night. I was like, "Ooh." <laughs> yeah, that's that's the only thing that made me laugh uh, in terms of that. I mean, like you know, it. it I think it it's really cool that they were able to. F- I don't know where they filmed this. Uh, I, I forgot to look it up. Was it the Philippines? Okay. They filmed a, they filmed uh, Apocalypse Now in the Philippines. They filmed this in the Philippines. The way you could tell when both films is just funny is that the helicopter pilots wear white helmets because the Filipino army helicopter pilots all wear white helmets. And it's so long story short, when they were filming, because it's kind of funny, when they're filming the Apocalypse Now, like incredible helicopter scene that cost like $2 million, one of the days they had to stop filming because the helicopters had to go fight the real insurgents. Yeah, fight the rebels. If you watch, <laughs> yeah, if you watch The Heart of Darkness, which is a documentary they get up about and it, leave. Copeland's yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. And the general's like, what do you want me to I do? Like, to oh. kill, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like literally, it's like, why are they, why are they flying? Wait, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I, I, I remember they that. They all have white helmets in that film. And if you look in this, they all have white helmets in this too, which is interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, they filmed it in the Philippines, and uh, it was like a crazy experience. They said the guys had a really hard time doing it and everything, and uh, they did have boot camp and everything. And I think they filmed it in a way where, like, as people died, they left the set. Yeah, if I remember correctly. So like, it was you know there was real attrition with the platoon and things. I mean, it um, comes across in their performances. Oh yeah, the, mm. um, I don't. I think who was I listening to? Um, Think it was we got the guy. Th- Gardner so well. <laughs> well, I, I think it was the guy who. Um, I think it was O'Neill, the guy who played O'Neill, Doc Cobb, and from Scrubs or whatever. Cox. I can't remember. Cox, yeah. thank you. I couldn't remember. This, this backstory makes a lot of sense for why he's such a dick. Uh, J. yeah, you know? yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, he he was like, I think he was on like uh, Howard Stern, and he was going about that about how like when they died, they died. They literally were forced to offset. Like they, you didn't get to say bye. No, thank you. They were just gone. Um, which I thought was very interesting because that would definitely allow you to play it into your, you know, into your character on set of the moment. Like, oh, you know, um, Mar- um, whatever. I, want- I don't know why I wanted to say Marcellus Wallace. <laughs> God damn it. Good old V. <laughs> Rames. In this. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just run with that. We'll just run with that. <laughs> oh Marcellus God. Wallace died. So Marcellus Wallace looked like a bitch and he died. Um, <laughs> uh, Why'd you treat him like a bitch? Yeah, I, I, um, um, not, not good name. Not good. Yeah, not good. I can't remember what the well, guy's name was. The guy who got like tied up and like killed down river. Yeah, Manny. Manny. Okay, that's why. Yep. I was in that word. Um, like you know, I'm I'm sure like if he gets killed, it's like after a shot he just leaves, and it's like they have to react to Manny. Well, where's Manny? Manny's dead. Manny's gone. Like I didn't get to say bye to him. I didn't get to right. tell that ripped that ripped dude 
pumping iron in the in the Correct. bunker by yep. you know like <laughs> yeah he's just dead and then yeah that that because like yeah that that's what leads to the village burning scene that's at least that whole well, catastrophe. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you absolutely. Know? I, I'm, I'm just saying, like that psyche as an actor yeah. playing that role. No, that's to, what I mean. Is like, I have that, yeah. it was so much more genuine because if they go, because like we've been on sets, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, if an actor just leaves, well, it's like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, there's why a is he no, gone? Yeah, no, no, clo- no closure like in real life. Yeah, it's yeah. like, and it's like, oh, okay, motherfucker, let's do this. Okay, fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why do you have all this fucking rice? You know why? Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? No, it's like so that that actually it it, it was really good on Stone's part or whoever made the decision to like actually get them the fuck out of there immediately, like back home. You're going back to the states because that's how it was in. It's how it is in most wars. Nowadays, we have social media. In Vietnam, they did not have social media. And so if this guy gets airlifted, you don't know if he survived. Okay? The guy's your best friend. You're still stuck there. And you don't know if he's dead or if he's alive or whatever. Like, Jesus Christ. And what's the reaction you're going to have from that? You're going to be pissed off. Yeah. Real, supremely pissed off. Brian, you were going to say something? Oh, I was talking about Revely, but it's fine. Um, but, uh, and just as we're on the subject quickly. So another funny thing that happened was, uh, so I'm getting to the subject cause a lot of people don't know that it wasn't so prevalent at this point of the war, but the scene where they get high in the uh, bunker and, uh, in reality, you know, a bunch of the guys are like, let's get really high, like for the scene be fucking awesome. So they, they all, they, they all smoked up and they're like, this is going to be awesome. Well, everybody's ever been on a set. It takes a lot of time to set shit up. So by the time they, they arrived on like, you know, okay, we got a two o'clock call. They got there for the call. They're ready to go. It took an hour to set up. So they're fucking stone cold sober and they're tired and groggy and pissed off by the time they have to do those scenes. So all of those scenes where they're like in the bunker and high, they're actually trying to act like they're high because they're on the come down of actually being high because of all the problems <laughs> they had to say, you know, oh, which is funny. That's fucking funny. And, I didn't know that. Yeah. Now watching it, it's it's interesting to know that. And also, if you look at it, when Taylor hits the peace pipe, he doesn't exhale anything. Now, if anybody has any experience with the devil's lettuce, like that's yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's not gonna happen. You will exhale. Other, you will cough as well. Yeah, you will yeah. die of yeah. coughing for your first time. But um, if I had experience with that, but what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> there's another scene too that's interesting that's copied from some Vietnam War footage. Um, it's done wrong, but the footage is of these guys in the field and they're smoking up. And uh, they have a shotgun. And what they're doing is they're shotgunning, you know, the Sweden stuff. And in the film, Elias, you know, takes the shotgun, opens it, and blows into... That's not what you do. Like, reality, it's like, no, they actually would have, a, like, a piece that would go in the, in the chamber that was full of, of like, a, of weed that they would actually, like, blow into. Now, while we're on the subject, drug prevalence, or drug use in Vietnam was prevalent. And it was mostly prevalent later in the war, 69 to 72. Heroin, marijuana, yes. You do hear about marijuana earlier... And marijuana did grow in places in Vietnam just freely. There's some funny stories where guys would find it in the field and, like, put it in their rucks and shit. And, and their NCOs would be like, good job camouflaging. Like, yeah, camouflage. You know, like. Um, but it's not, like, what people think it was. I mean, right. You could buy grass and shit, but it's. 
there are other wars where there's a little much more weed and stuff. Like in Chechnya, they used to trade of weapons. Yeah. For, <laughs> yeah, that too. I know a lot of Afghan Soviet vets that were like fucking, they used to trade like AKs for hash- hashish and stuff. Also modern times as well. well but um, Dude, um, talking yeah. about that whole thing about, you know, not what, what you just said, like not as much as people think. Do you think going back to the whole thing about how this movie, you know, um, invented a lot of, uh, not, I'm not saying like uh, necessarily invented, but, you know, like, made things more popular in terms of the overall scope of these types of stories and stuff like that. Do you think this is, is, a, is a direct response, directly responsible for that, for creating that whole like oh. drug craze and all that stuff? I, I think this is de- definitely responsible for making so many Vietnam reenactors stupid as fuck. Yeah. Like, you know, that's just me. No, but I agree. What, what's great about the movie is also what's bad about it because it's basically, this film is a microcosm of Vietnam. It takes everything that occurred and puts it into one platoon's experience. Correct. And then you, you yeah. have that. Correct. So, you know, did every guy go and kill people and burn villages? No. Did every guy end up in this crazy fucking firefight for their life that, you know, was a huge siege? No. Did they happen sparsely in different places? Yeah, totally. But that's why, it, you know, when people just watch it and take it for whatever it is. It's like, oh, fucking when Grandpa was there for a 365 and a wake up, he did all this crazy shit. And it's like, probably not. If you read a lot of memoirs, they're really funny. They usually follow like eleven months of walking, one like two weeks of like R and R, and then the firefight. It's always the firefight. You know, like we had the big ambush that lasted twenty minutes, and that was my firefight for my tour. It was very rare for guys to have like a Tet situation or a, a Docto or a Junction City or like a really big operation. Usually, you're just fucking you know doing grunt shit, and the war changed so much. Later on, we have the, the strategic Hamlet programs, where like you're basically just like fortifying villages and stuff. I mean, that was a much different war than the early on, like Asha Valley and stuff. Um, which again just plays into this whole trope of you know, there's a million different Vietnam wars. You know, each platoon has its own experience, and you can't just you know assume that this is going to get yours. They're going to know red platoons. They're going to know whatever. You know, it's like every year, every month, every platoon had a completely different experience in the conflict, mm-hmm. and you know. That's why this is great and also bad in a way. Well, so, to answer your question a long way, yes, it does promote those tropes, but it did happen. That's why I have kind of a, I don't know, I have like a love-hate thing with Oliver Stone um, to where like there's movies of his that I think are like really good and then there's movies where I think are, that he does are just absolute dog shit. Um, what are other movies he's done that you can rip off or you can tell me? I don't know much about all of them. The ones I don't like or ones I do like? Just, just like, just, just name me a few. Okay, JFK. Uh, yeah, awesome. Born on the Fourth of July. JFK. Um, the Doors. Um, let me think here. Um, Alexander. Alexander. He did that. Uh, oh, that fucking uh, Colin Farrell movie. Yeah. Um, uh, Wall Street. He did Wall Street. I, I think he Wall did Street's Wall Street, great. which was a really popular movie at the time. He did. Um, uh, let's see here. Talk radio is very underrated. I love talk radio. Um, the Natural Born Killers. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, Tar- yeah. Written by Tarantino, yeah. but directed by him. Um, There's a lot. I, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of movies I haven't really seen before. Right. The ones I have seen, I didn't. Like. He's done three. He's done like a his Vietnam trilogy is this movie, Born on the Fourth of July, and then Heaven and Earth. And um, in my opinion, I've seen Heaven and Earth. You've never seen that one. Um, in my opinion, when did it come out? Ninety three. It's yeah, about the Vietnamese perspective of it. It's it's like a, that sounds interesting. It is, but it's not. Your opinion of it. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> yeah. But, um, now I'm intrigued, but I'm not. So. Right. Um, 
No, it, it's uh, it stars. Uh, well, the main actress in it. It's 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 about like a village, like a a, a, a village girl in Vietnam and she's experiencing the war and eventually mm-hmm. as she grows up you know the Vietnam War continues she meets an American played by Tommy Lee Jones and um, oh, moved... I've seen that movie like in like on like TNT like 20 years ago really yeah, yeah. it's uh, it, it was not a big hit it was because it was I, Tommy Lee Jones in Vietnam I was like what the fuck are we doing <laughs> right yeah and he's like an yeah. old man already yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I mean it I don't know it's uh, it, it's very like earnest when what it's trying to do but it's just not very interesting um but uh, in my opinion uh born on the fourth of july is his like solid movie like that's that i love that movie um now i'm intrigued to watch that because i honestly forgot that was oliver stone and i haven't seen it all the way through and it's interesting too because it covers a marine i know it's a true story but it's, mm-hmm. it's a different you know version of vietnam m14s and, and that jazz yeah well, it's about have the, the two scenes in country but well, there's the the combat scenes yeah, the actual like war parts are like maybe 15 minutes and the, the whole movie it's about before and after you know it's about how he was before the war and then how it affected him after and it's like the these two contrasts and like the war is this very small thing in the middle of it but it just had such an impact on him um anyway but uh no i have like a love-hate thing with with Oliver Stone because he, he's, I guess he's done really good stuff, but then he's done things that I just absolutely can't stand. Um, and a part of it is just that, uh, he is, he has this kind of like provocateurism about him is that he, he like, he loves shock value and things like that. And it's not necessarily about the history to him. It's more about like a crazy narrative that he wants to push. Um, and so I can kind of see with this movie, obviously he was in Vietnam, but this is like, you know, a conglomeration, like you say, of all of the insane shit that is Vietnam. Take all that and put it all into my script. It's, it's, that's, I mean, he was also a fucking cokehead for most of his career. So a lot of his movies, they feel that way. They're just like so intense all the time. And you're like, like the doors is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. And so <laughs> inaccurate. Parts of that. The most inaccurate fucking thing you'll ever see in your life, in terms of a based on a true story, based on a real person. Um, I'm but, just glad that cocaine influenced one of the best lines in cinema history. From here. hey, dude, I'm not saying great that, ass. <laughs> I'm not saying that you know you can't be influenced by drugs to make make amazing things. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I would denounce all my favorite musicians. But um, <laughs> I very uh, true, Mr. Pink Floyd. Right? Yeah. Um, even though they deny it, even though they all they deny it. But, yeah. Yeah. You know. But, um, and everyone fucking else, but, um, Lucy in the sky with diamonds. That's right. Um, Uh. but anyway, so yeah, it's like, there's a lot of great things and this movie, I don't love it or hate it. It's like, it's kind of in between. Like, I think it's very good, but at the same time, there's a lot of stuff in it. Like, for example, like Elias's part with the, uh, and all that, it just seems like it's so like, you know, intense and over the top. Um, that stuff like that, I don't really care for, but what you mean? Like the, that, you mean like falling down on the knees? No, but it's like just that he's been like shot in the chest three times and he has like people well, like again, chasing him and everything. I mean, again, to call back to Tropic Thunder, I think it does a <laughs> wonderful job of portraying it okay. in, a, in, a, in a ridiculous manner because it is so much towards that. If you, But I, I do say, just to talk about, back to Platoon, I guess, is that, that that scene, although it might be ridiculous and unfat and unprobable, is that the word I'm looking for? Um, it does give the point across. I get, yeah, no, that's yeah. that. That's the thing. It's like 
Oliver Stone, like it's not necessarily about, and in most in most cases, it's not necessarily about whatever the facts and like trying to get it right. It's about his narrative, you know, and his his and stuff like that. And sometimes, in my opinion, that works, and sometimes it doesn't. So yeah, no, I agree. The um, you know, it's it's funny. To, oh, Brian, go ahead. Do you want something? Off I was gonna go another subject, but no. Oh, I was gonna I was gonna jump into another subject real quick. Oh, I was um, gonna say I, I love the language in this movie. <laughs> I really the dialogue like, is great. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. cheese dick. It's like there's well, so many well, I, good I, I, terms. Actually, actually, I was going to talk about that, like, and and doing a comparison to you know, um, another to other movies that we've talked about. We were soldiers. We well, <laughs> well, like, well, like, um, you know, for example, one of the main factors that made Hurt Locker so bad was the dialogue. And I think that you know this movie does a really good job of the banter back and forth. If I if I if I would so. Um, so bravely say that I guess is the, probably the best. It's one of the best dialogue inter interchanges of 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 men to men within a squad. I think I've heard in a long time. I really liked the dialogue and the talking. Nothing seemed ridiculous. Nothing was like over the top. Nothing seemed like it was beyond the scope of the era. It felt or or trying to push a message or a meaning. It felt very much very solid dialogue between all these characters and within the time period and seemed real enough to be like, those are conversations I've had with my friends or, or, or other people within, you know, even if to, to put it to a point, uh, to a point reenacting even, you know, that kind of, that kind of feel, um, Brian, go ahead. And not even that though, like how each character is so ingrained in their vocabulary, like the Lieutenant, for example, like he, Oh my God, he's just so good playing that role. I, I know he's been in a lot of other stuff like Madman and things and horrible actors' names, but like he he looks like a neat, naive fucking six week wonder in Vietnam. Like when he goes and sees his men, you know, like that's such a good scene in the know? Iowa wrestling T shirt. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like so good. But like, it's not always dialogue good, and they deliver it well. They know who they are, you know. And like, I just love that. I'll send it home. You know, it's like that's what a college kid in a situation like this would say. You know, it's. It's just all around. It was really well done, and I really feel like the the few weeks of training they had before that really ingrained them, you know. And I'll admit, this is the only time I think Dale Dye ever added to a role or a movie. Um, this he's, this he's good in this. This was he's his first uh, his first movie ever, not just acting, but it, for uh, advising. This was his first like gig. If only it stopped now, like after this, that would be great, and he would you know we'd all respect him because I <laughs> I really do like so much that he does. I know he was a Vietnam vet himself. And so he brings a lot of that into it. But, like, when he's walking around trying to talk to the kid, because I always did a lot of radio comms and shit when I did reenacting for Vietnam and things. And just like, talking to the guy, trying to talk him down and stuff, walking around, you know. There's just so much things that he does that it just comes off as real because he was real like that, you know. It, it's, like, not even acting. It's just him just doing his job. But going this is the, the only mission. instance, I think. Yeah, this is the only instance, I think, where he, like, he actually adds to it. This is not Band of Brothers, you know, fucking 1960s. Like we're gonna go attack the Germans at Carentan. Like, no, it's it's really he does a great job throughout the whole film. So, and I didn't realize how early he is in the film too, because I'm used to the TV cuts, you know. So when I watched it like in its full length, I'm like, oh shit! Like you see him in the first five minutes, yeah. talking to fucking the other lieutenant and telling me he's slowing him down because Taylor's fucking tired with too much shit slowing. Like I didn't realize how linked it was, you know, um, just watching it casually. So. One 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 thing I think that and and then we'll I'll jump into the thing I wanted to ask all of you is that the I thought it was really interesting also to show a heat casually so freaking fast. 
within the first like five minutes. Like that was that was cool because it shows that yeah, it's the jungle and it's ants and it's everything I would fucking hate. You're carrying <laughs> 150 pounds, 120 pounds. Yeah. Of shit. Yeah. And 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 you know William Defoe's character is like, you don't need this. You don't it's need only this. the red ants. It's not the black ants. Yeah, yeah, yeah the black yeah. ants yeah. hurt more. Yeah, like don't be <laughs> such a baby. Yeah. So like it's, it, true, it's by just, the way. <laughs> but like you know the whole doc conversations of you you don't I don't want you to drink any more water because that is true you know like things of that things and the heat exhaustion and the weight and they talk about all the things that would take a guy like that down because I've I've unfortunately have been that very young in my reenacting career thinking that I could do everything and then I get to the top of the hill and I'm not planning and it's like oh I'm like gonna collapse if I don't like not do this you know like scaling up mountains in PA, like full rock formations going, oh, I'm not used to this. My fat, pasty body's been playing Halo for like, you know, this whole year. And this is my second event. Oh, okay. I'm going to get my ass kicked. So um, the, the frontier, you know, of Vietnam and Cambodia is a lot different from Fort Polk training grounds, <laughs> you know? So these guys that, you know, trained in the States and then went overseas, like the two totally different things. I will. Um, I I do want to open the conversation. I want to start with Mike B first. But I'll start with the conversation for. I'll start ask the question. To everyone, I'll have Mike B lead off. Is that what what there are? There's a lot of major people in this film. Tons of major up and coming roles may not be at the of the time, but lots of people who are in big powerhouses now. And and like a lot of things that I noticed, like just I think we had talked about that with. Uh, glory i think it was of how many people were in there and i think it's the same thing with here it's like you see so many people who are now powerhouses start their role within this movie or at least get that cliche or that uh typecast of being in other similar movies later down the line like for example um uh the guy from scrubs and the the black guy with like the goatee almost john c mcginley uh, well, that yeah, that's that's guy from Scrubs. But then there's right. also Forrest the guy, Whitaker. <laughs> Forrest, well, Forrest there's, there's Whitaker. A ton. But, uh, but there, there's there's yeah. that guy. I don't know his name. I should have looked it up. He's got the cross on his forehead. He wears on the necklace with the cross on his forehead. He gets hit the same time Johnny Depp does. It's that guy. He, they're both in The Rock, as in the Marines. Oh, we talk about the, the 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 black dude who gets impaled in The Rock. Like yeah yeah okay, from, yeah 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 he gets him yeah but it's him in in platoon That's right I recognize him yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah like so there's a lot of like typecasts where you see them in similar yeah. roles later on like Forrest Whitaker before he had the lazy eye which I don't you know I, I it's just like okay it was getting there I could see yeah it was starting to develop yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> but like you know there's some really good actors Johnny Depp you know in this as well. Um, Charlie Sheen for I mean I I have a kind of a chip on my shoulder for Charlie Sheen I don't really like Charlie Sheen <laughs> but I mean it's it's interesting but I'm but my get like I was really surprised by um, Mike A you said his name what's his name oh John C McGinley he's awesome I, I was I was really impressed yeah. by him and Johnny Depp fucking faggots all left me <laughs> John uh, John C McGinley is a very mm-hmm. underrated actor he is so yeah. good in everything I agree. he does I agree. yeah yep. Might be, range. I, might be. Straight. I do want to hand it off to you. What? Who did you think did really well throughout this whole thing? Um, That's kind of been known later on. I as guess. far as the acting, mm-hmm. I think. I think. Um, I'm just trying to think if I can think of a person who didn't pull their weight. Um, I I think the acting was really good because I think also, like we were talking about that that whole boot camp thing that Dale Die put on. Because, like, if you actually look at the making of this, like, they, they were out there for two 
two weeks in the Philippines. That's that's fucked up. I mean, that there's a lot of shit that can go wrong and does go wrong. You're also tired, and it's like, you know, that's where Dale Dye got, like, the same Private Ryan thing. I'm like, oh, we're going to boot camp and do all shit. Same thing but with like, Band of Brothers, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you know, um, Stone is a crazy fuck mm-hmm. in a good way because, like, he was in Vietnam. Like, he was – so this was his basic, like, story of his first few weeks in Vietnam, okay? He was in a line infantry unit, Okay. He got wounded, and then he was put in another. He was put in the um, the cab. We, we discussed this weeks ago, but like, so he was actually he he had walked the walk and talked the talk. He's got a combat amateur badge. He fucking had a. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's got one or two purple hearts. The guy was wounded, and so this is kind of like his way of saying, okay, this is what my experience was in Vietnam, the first few weeks I was there, and. So, yeah, you put a guy like Dale Dye, who was also in Vietnam, and it's very fresh. 86 is not that... F- you got to remember, the Vietnam War ended in 75 for the U.S. Like, we were completely gone in 75. So, 86 is not that far off. And it's like, okay, you got guys that were there training these actors who are young, and nobody's heard of them. Nobody's heard of Johnny Depp at that point, okay? Nobody. And... Well- he would have been... Sorry, I'll have to look up. I don't remember what he's been at that point. He was yeah. pretty young. Very young. Yeah. yeah. He was a nobody at this time. Yeah, he was a nobody. And nobody's heard of him or a bunch of... The, uh, um, fucking uh, the guy we were just talking about. I, I, I'm i bad with names, too. I'm horrible with names. John, John, C. John McGinley. C. Yeah. McGinley, yep. Very few people have heard of him. Okay. All right. They get this gig. Oh, you have to go to the Philippines and you're going to be living out in the fucking jungle for two weeks before we start fucking shooting. Okay, yep. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. We know how that that goes. Like, young actors that are fucking passionate, they go, yeah, I'll do anything you fucking want. I just want to do well. And so, in this film, I think that it got across very well that these people had been through there and they were so fucking tired and they actually portrayed guys who were beaten down physically, mentally and whatever. And they, you know, they, they knew, they knew the subject they they were doing. They were doing a, a film about the Vietnam war. Okay. We get that. And then when they actually were so beaten down, they were able to like deliver these lines and like deliver these performances that were believable, very believable. And I, can't think of really anybody that gave a weak performance in this one. I'm trying, like, as I'm talking, I'm trying to think. And it's, because just the thing is, like, these are all guys that I know. Like, it, it was years later, okay, decades later. But these are all guys that I know. And, like, when you're out there doing this shit, you're all tired and everything. The different personalities come through. You got the fucking psychotic fucking platoon sergeant. You've got the psychotic yet okay team leader or squad leader and all that shit. And you got these guys that are like, yeah, oh, well, I'm about to leave here soon, which did not happen in Iraq. So that's, that's a different thing. But like, no, the, the, the dynamics, like these guys that have been there a long time, you could tell because they had the gear. And it was like, oh, they had a fucking, they had animosity towards the newer guys. Not because they hated them, because they were like, dude, I was just there. I don't want you to fuck over my chances of going home. 
Because I don't think you're going to fucking make it because I've seen so many guys die. And that's what it is. And again, it's less than 1% of the military in Vietnam saw combat. And this is portraying that very small percentage. And it's like these guys are fucked up. They're fucking emotionally devoid, which is a survival mechanism. It's, it's nothing on them. And I think because they had them so tired and whatever, they were able to portray that better on camera than if you just get actors who are probably talented, but like they're well-rested and everything. It's like, no, 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 no. They're tired. They're pissed off. It's like, no, I, no, you're not going to send this guy out with me. And then, and then um, fucking again, the Irish guy, what's his name again? John C. McGinley. <laughs> yep, McGinley. Yeah. So he's like this guy, he does his job, he's a good squad leader or team leader, and then all of a sudden, when it comes time for him to cash in on his dick sucking, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That, I loved that, I loved that dynamic. And he's like, I got a bad feeling about this one. It's like, yeah, well, fucking we need I you. got a so. bad feeling about this, Bab. Hey, Bob, I got a bad feeling. Bob, 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 got a Bob, bad, yeah. Bob. But it's like Which, it, it didn't work. You know what I mean? Like it's in in, in in any other war movie, it was like okay, yeah, you can go and take the fucking chopper out and fucking take his leave, you know. But no, Barnes is like uh, again. Oliver Stone said he Barnes and Elias were two characters that he met in real life when he was in Vietnam. It didn't it didn't work out that way. Like it didn't like in the right, film, right, but like, right, right, but like right. Elias was a Native American guy. And he was just fucking, bam, quick on his feet, fucking whatever, did his thing. Barnes was a guy that had been there before and was a fucking asshole like that. Wasn't quite as brutal, but like, so he, he kind of, again, the character of like bringing everything in the Vietnam War that you possibly can into this thing, that applies. But those two people were based on real people. And... Did Barnes shoot Elias? Maybe that happened a couple times, perhaps. But in uh, Stone's case, it's probably just for the camera. But those two characters are not unrealistic at all. And the way, uh, I'm sorry, Willem Dafoe and um, um, Tom Berenger played those guys, I've met those guys in real life. I've met those characters. Like, they're, they played it very well. And you can tell they're worn down. They're just fucking, okay. One has a different approach than the other, right? Of like how to deal with a problem and whatever. It just happens. So I, I think that, okay, long, very long-winded rant. I'm sorry about that. But like, uh, I still, I don't know anybody that had a weak performance. Okay. So liked everyone. Yeah, and I'm still trying to think about it. And it's like, even even small roles, like Gardner, right? Brian, Brian's got his hand up. Hold on. Yeah, I, so. I, I know someone that did a really bad job in this movie. And it's irrelevant. If they did a better job, the movie would be a lot shorter. And the Viet Cong sucked in the NVA. I mean, they did not perform at all. You know, you're talking about the. They waited till the, the end. To, it was a, it's a joke. They waited till the end to attack the Americans in force. You know, it's like, really? They had all these opportunities for the whole time of the movie, but no. No, nobody, <laughs> nobody doesn't deliver in this film you know not, not even everyone not puts their best foot forward Mike, but that, not, not, I'm thinking about it I'm like yeah. I'm thinking about like when you say it as a joke I'm like actually yeah the NBA guys like they did a good job too because they were aggressive as shit and they also they weren't retarded they, they didn't just do the whole 
wave tactics of like danger danger close wave tactics no it's like i so, love yeah the sorry. preparations and stuff like you know in the end like when they put all the stuff up they do wear helmets which the nva did and the vc did wear helmets there are a lot well, of they, they were in that, pit was mostly they were in pit helmets but i think toward the end we'll see i think some of them have actually like mil, metal military helmets on i i did they not did, I, i've never seen that well, through the IMDb, I yeah, could be yeah, wrong, yeah, but yeah, yeah. the NVA and the VC did use military steel helmets. Yep. They had a lot of East German helmets, some Czech helmets, I think. Yep. Uh, and M40s They're for anti-aircraft crews. Too. Yep. Oh, interesting. They use them for anti-aircraft crews, and I have this great photo somewhere. It destroyed the internet like two years ago of a guy of 101st Ashaw Valley vet, like at Hamburger Hill, and he's he's looking up this trail. He's got a huge like multicolored scarf on. He's got an East German like fucking DDR. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's in the middle of the. Dude, I made an entire video about <laughs> like, this on my YouTube, but like, yeah. Oh, so yeah, I know that the steel helmets. Yes, and they actually did wear them occasionally um, in combat, but the majority that you're going to see in this film, like I, if they wore it, I, I didn't catch it, but like the majority is going to be the pith helmet. So Nate. Yep. And then just one last thing, Nate. Yep. Um, and on the subject of this, so at the end of the film, when the uh, like you know. Um, whatever it is, the mobile infantry guys show up, you know, they're still 25th, so I'm not sure what regiment, but yeah, yeah, the yeah. German flag and everything. Yeah, yeah. That's legit. Yeah, That's absolutely. totally legit. Yep. And there's a really cool photo um, that, that exists that it's really cool happened on a forum. This is one really cool thing. If you guys, like, interested in Vietnam War and stuff, you should join some of these Vietnam War veteran forums because they're the only generation of, like, veterans that are online in mass. They don't know how to use the internet, but, like, literally, <laughs> you can find... I know, it, like... It's it's. Let's just state the facts here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Boomers yeah. don't have the internet, but like seriously though, if if you want to find out any information, your time is you know you're running out of time. Basically, you have like ten years to talk to these guys because Agent Orange, all these other things. But there are groups on Facebook of tens of thousands of Vietnam War vets, and they like bicker and fight and talk about their things. But so there's there's this one photo of this guy who's on top of a one one three and a fifty cal, and he's wearing a German helmet, and it's like dated sixty eight. Yep. It's pretty famous. Yep. It's been all everywhere. That ended up on one of these forums. Well, the fucking guy that the photo was of commented on it. And long story short, his father brought back this German M40 helmet from uh, wherever, World War II, whatever. And he brought it to Vietnam and he wore it to look cool, you know, <laughs> on his M113. And he was like, that helmet is at mile marker 26 on the Wong Bai Hu Highway. Because yeah. on January 26, 1969, we got hit fucking hard. And, you know, our fucking 113 got destroyed and I lost the helmet. It got rounds through and everything. So, like, he literally wore a German helmet in combat in Vietnam and has the photos to prove it and the story to prove it. And it's just crazy. Yep. The only reason that happened was because the internet grouping and this photo ended up in this forum that this guy was in. So, it's just insane. Well, it's also, you know? it's such an exception. And this thing is, like, exceptions happen, but, like, that's like most people will just be like, oh, I didn't have it. It was like, we, yeah, there's fucking definitely, like, I've got shit when I was in Iraq that people would not believe. Like, my buddy wore an M7 bayonet with an M8A1 scabbard. <laughs> he literally had it in Iraq, right? Funny. In 2009. Mm-hmm. But, like, whatever. And so it's like, yeah, there's 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 some things to that. And uh, I don't know. It's just, it's it's, it's a fun debate to, to have. Before I, uh, I give back to Nate, so another cool thing. Again, this, you know, how both sides you have this craziness. Um, uh, the director of my museum... Um, who I'll have on here eventually. He met a ton of Vietnam vets from our museum and stuff. And there was one guy who carried an MP40 in Vietnam. And he was very early, like 66, 67. But it was a very fascinating story. He literally like, got off the plane to get into Vietnam. And there's these guys waiting to go home. There's this guy with an MP40. And he was like a you know nerd, comic book nerd. He like read Captain America and stuff. He's like, oh my God, that's an MP40. He's like, yeah, you want it? 
he's like, I can't bring it with me. So he's like, okay. So he just gives this guy an MP40, like, as this dude goes home. And he carries it for his whole fucking tour, you know, not always in the field and stuff, but he has it with him. And a year later, he doesn't know what the fuck to do with it. He's going home, and the same thing happens. Like, this kid's like, is that an MP40? He's like, you want it? <laughs> and, like, literally. <laughs> just fucking passing it, it off. Happen. Yeah, you know, and it's just crazy shit like that. Um, so that's why the war is just insane. Like, I actually knew a guy, too, speaking of modern conflicts. He was an officer, uh, EOD and stuff, but he was in Afghanistan. He carried his CZ-58 paratrooper model. That was his fucking weapon, you know, like, the whole time. So seeing you dudes in ARR one and shit with like fucking check weapons from the sixties and seventies. What? Pretty funny. What? Which model is that? That's the the VZ fifty eight. Is that the is that the is that the little compact mini pistol thing? What is no, it? it's no, a, that's it's, not it's, a scorpion. It's a rifle. It's no, okay. a, a, the one that looks like an AK, but it's not. oh, that's that one that's like it's got like a folding it's got a folding bayonet yeah. on it too. Yeah, that goes no, like almost like no, an SKS. No. Which one am I thinking of then? You think of the it up. Type fifty six with the Don't tell me what to do, Brian. <laughs> but anyway, actually, uh, a lot of those guns ended up in Vietnam, those aid, and a lot of them were captured by Americans. I have some really cool photos of dead Viet Cong. Dude, I, I've done these videos before. I got, I got to redo these videos now that we're talking about it. Because, like, I did these videos years ago of, like, weapons that were used by Vietnamese forces and also American forces. Um, I met a guy at a gun show, and he said, yeah, when we were on base, like, we had to draw our weapons out if we were going to use them. So people bought guns to defend ourselves or defend themselves if the base is being overrun. And he's like, yeah, I bought a fucking, uh, I think he bought an M3 from a guy <laughs> that was like, it, it was, it was captured, but it was like not on the books basically. And he bought an M3 just for his personal defense. If they got overrun, which they did a couple times. And it's, he was a Marine and he's like, yeah, it, like, they wouldn't give us our weapons unless we were like doing that shit. And like, you go to the fucking arms room and everybody's panicking. So it's like, no, we wanted to have Thompsons and whatever the fuck we could get to defend ourselves if we were getting overrun, you know? And so that's another factor of like, yeah, guys carrying MP40s. Yeah. They had them sitting by their bed because fuck. So I, I, I know of two guys that carried greasers. One was a LERP guy who had a vest made of grease gun magazines, and he had some crazy stories. Oh, my God. Um, the other guy was an engineer in a, um, what do you call it, Marine Corps unit, and they, he was there early on, and uh, they were targeted by the Viet Cong and I-Corps because at one point they were the only wrecker that was still around. So they were, like, trying to destroy the wrecker because it was the only thing in the I-Corps that could pull tanks out of rice paddies. So they had a very high <laughs> price on their head. Um, and his last thing that's funny for Vietnam and, and weapons and stuff, there's a very good memoir um, if you guys want to read it, he goes in the Cambodia Parrot Speak. It's called uh, 5-4 Whiskey. Really cool. He's a gunner on an M113. But at one point, he buys a, a Thompson from an Arvin guy, and he can't get magazines for some reason. So he writes his dad. He's like, hey, I need some magazines. And his dad buys them in some catalog yep. magazine and sends them yep. over to Vietnam. And he gets like, 30, he gets like 15, 30-round magazines. He's like, thanks, Dad. You know? So it's just, <laughs> it's just funny like when you have that. You know, That's like the same way that they got the, um, oh, what is it called? Bayo Gamma. Like the really early camouflage for the advisors and stuff. It was like literally bought out of magazines and shit. But um, yeah, weapons in, the, in country are insane. You know, you see everything. Sometimes you even see MP43s, but they're not MP43s. Yeah. Yeah, they have that long ass fucking BFA uh, on them. Fuck, fuck <laughs> you. That's never going away. <laughs> I, I, I'm not getting into it. Brian said he wished he had a control button. I'm following Didn't Brian. Didn't you say so that? 
Megan, oh, okay. I brought you in this role. I brought you out. Didn't you say what? you messaged the actual guy that worked on that movie, the armorer? Yes. <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck I'm, are you I'm talking about? I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for proof. He's probably <laughs> like, he's probably like hey, yeah, I'll get right to it. Block. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Fucking nerd. <laughs> Fucking crazy. <Yeah. laughs> Call them Americans. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so, but, Nate, uh, what, what were you going to ask earlier? Were fucking... I have fuck. It's gone. Okay. Cool. <laughs> it's right. gone. Fuck it. Fuck this whole thing. Um, well, yeah. One thing that I do want to talk about that's interesting is um, the last battle. You know, this whole movie kind of comes to this insane crescendo where they, you know, almost get overrun. And a lot of people over the years have asked, is that a real battle? Is that real? You know, yes. because there weren't many instances in Vietnam where things like that happen very very rarely well, um, this is a real disagree this but is a, continue as a whole um so this is a real battle it's called the battle of sui cut and it took place on january 1st 1968 and it's a very interesting story it actually was during a, a ceasefire so everybody knows about tet which is at the end of january which is the um vietnamese new year um well the actual like western new year whatever you want to call it um january 1st pope the pope actually asked South Vietnam and the Americans that have a 36-hour ceasefire for the first, for New Year's. So they agreed to it, and the Vietnamese tentatively agreed to it. So there was this, uh, it was two battalions of the 25th were out in the field, and they dug in on the 30th uh, of December, and they just made this perimeter, and they were going to wait out the ceasefire and then continue on their operations. Well, six hours before the ceasefire ended, four battalions of main force NVA tried to wipe them off the face of the fucking earth. And honestly, talking to anyone that was there and like you see veterans interviews and stuff, they say the way that the battles depicted in the movie is chillingly realistic to how it really was. And that it actually is very, very realistic. In the end, they took out like 700 gooks, you know, and these two battalions were able to hold out because they were able to coil around themselves and they had artillery support from a few miles away. But there was literally, you know, touch and go for a good period of time. And the reason you really don't hear a lot about it is because this happened right before Tet. This is January yep. 1st of 68. Four weeks later, you know, the world is flooded with it, it, the, the actual itself, general, yep, yep. Yeah, the, the general uprising. But this was just one division's plan to wipe out uh, an American unit that was in the field. And it didn't work out. Um, but yeah, there were other instances like Doc Toe. There was a whole company that was wiped off the face of the earth, a company of the 173rd. Um, you know, Quezon, that almost was a thing. Uh, oh, what the hell was the... Uh, there's the 82nd base that was... Um, Ripcord, that was the one, the FOB, that was abandoned. I think there was one more. There was a, a Special Forces base. There was a big battle. At, that was the one with the tanks. I had a friend of a friend that was there. But um, So you don't really have bat- big field battles like this happen a lot. Um, you know, where, like, American units are literally out there and going to get destroyed. So that's where a lot of that guys that were in country were like, oh, that never happened to me. It's like, well, yeah, because that didn't. Right. But this actually was real and it happened. And just to end it, any guy or anybody that knows the podcast, you know, if you listen to our episode about Sergeant York, we had James Gregory on. He actually is um, working on a memoir from a guy who was in the 25th, and he was a supply sergeant of all things. And he ended up out there at Suey Cut delivering Christmas presents or whatever. And he was there for the battle. And he was like a 37-year-old quartermaster. <laughs> And uh, anyway, James is translating, or not translating, he's transposing his um, diary into a book right now, and he's going to talk about everything and stuff, so I don't know when that's going to come out, I don't know what it's called, but 
it's pretty cool that it's literally about this battle. There's not too much information about it. There's not a lot of memoirs and things. There's more interviews and stuff. But right. no, yeah. this really did happen. It, January 1st, 1968. Yep. Um, you know, and yeah, which is crazy. It, it's <laughs> interesting because like going back, we're going to circle back to what I said. Um, a little bit. It was like, yeah, uh, most of the Vietnam vets that were actually like combat arms that were in combat, they said their firefights were very short. And very confusing. And that's why, you know, the whole question, oh, did you kill anybody? Most of these guys are like, I don't know. You know, like, that's the same nowadays. Um, there Obviously, there's always the exception of, like, you know, so we cut, where it's like, it's fucking, you know you killed somebody because it's fucking, it's a massive battle. And it's, it's insane on both sides, whatever. But most of the Vietnamites I've talked to and they were there from, let's see, the guys I've talked to have been 66 through 72, right? Marines, Army, right? They were infantry guys, or they were, like, medics or combat engineers. They were combat arms, let's just say. And um, they said, yeah, our engagements were very short. And most of them said the longest engagement they were in was 20 minutes. And I think they, the average firefight was 20 seconds in the country. Right, and they, they just didn't know. And also, it's the same nowadays as, like, a firefight is not like it's portrayed in the movies. They're going to look for the exception, like in Platoon, right? Where it's just this constant, just this fucking battle royale. And it's like, whatever. But like, you know, combat for most of the guys that I've talked to and, you know, from every war, World War II on to nowadays, they're like, yeah, it was pretty short. It didn't last long, you know? It was, we didn't know what the hell was going on. We exchanged some fire. Some guys got hit. We hit some of their guys, I think. And then it was done. It was silent. And then we had to deal with that. And that's how it was a lot for the guys in Vietnam. And it's interesting to see, like, the Vietnamese perspective of the Vietnam War. Or the Second Indochina War. You know, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But the American Vietnam War is, like, the Vietnamese guys, the, the NVA and the VC, were just as terrified. It wasn't... They tried to make it out like the propaganda of, like, the, the fanatic fucking guys are just gonna... Oh, we're just gonna go and fucking overrun your position. We don't give a shit if we die. No, the Vietnamese guys were terrified, too. And when they started getting hit, they were, like, the same reaction as the Americans. They're like, fuck! What, what, how, do we get, how do we get out of this? Like, it's not gonna happen. Like, we can't win this. And they were not, like, these savages, these fucking people that were just, oh, no mercy, no fucking emotion. No. These guys, they lost their friends, too. And so, it's like, yeah, in Platoon, yeah, Sukkot is a nasty fucking battle that happened. But, like we were all saying, and then I'll, I'll stop my rant, is, like, that's basically the entire Vietnam War enveloped into one film for the intensity. I, I, I have one question. I have one question in terms of um, the, the, I was reading on Oliver Stone and all that stuff. And, and this is the battle. And this is like his experiences that he's obviously taking from. He wasn't at, um, what'd you call it? It was Sui, 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 He wasn't there, right? 
I think he was or he heard about it. He's a very interesting experience because he wasn't in the field the whole time. I think he did some quartermaster stuff later on because he got injured or something. Because I was just because because I was just reading that he wasn't a giant battle, but he was with the. Well, he was in twenty fifth ID. Which he is, was. Do you know yeah. what their uh, their logo is, Nathan? Nathan, the twenty fifth no. ID, no. Tropic Thunder. Oh really? Oh, is that what that is? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's or, funny. Yeah, Mike V said the electric strawberry. Oh. And, and just, and just, just to build off. I've like, never heard it called that, but yeah, that's funny. Just to, just my, my squad leader was prior 25th, and he called it the electric strawberry. So. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's awesome. And, again, and just to build off what uh, you know, Mike B said with uh, you know experiences and stuff. I know Michael will, will remember this book, or at least uh, some of the experiences, Blood Trails. Um, this is a great Vietnam War memoir. Where uh, he's there for four months, nothing happens. He stares at vegetation. Then he gets into his incredible firefight. He's an M60 assistant gunner, and as he's coming down, he gets shot in the jaw, and he can't talk. His fucking face swells up. The galloping. And as he describes it in the book, as he's falling back to the LZ, his jaw was chattering against his. The lower part of his jaw was chattering against the top part of his jaw like a galloping horse. That's oh. his experience. It's literally four months of hiking in the fucking woods and getting shot in the face and going home. That was his Vietnam, you know. He didn't shoot anyone. He didn't know what fucking happened. He got shot. That was it, you know. So that's what's interesting about this. You know, it's like when you read enough Vietnam memoirs, it's they all follow this pattern usually of the firefight, the R and R, and then the months of hating yourself and why you're here and questioning and three sixty five and a wake up baby, you know. So the uh, the it's it's just it's it's interesting because I because I was just pulling it up and I was looking at it and it it did say he was with the twenty fifth and then it said he was then uh, <coughs> uh uh he said after recovering from his wounds he was transferred to the first cavalry yep. division Ca- cavalry <sighs> every time dude cavalry cav cav cavalry yeah cavalry yes cavalry. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's not just uh, you, Nate. It's not just you. I'll, I'll just play it that way. But like, okay, it was assigned to Long Range Cavalry, platoon. yes. And then he was, and then he was, then he was in this giant battle. So that's why I was curious. If he yeah. Was in the, so he must have taken something, yeah, from that. Uh-huh. What's yeah. interesting is that um, he wrote this movie right when he got out of Vietnam. Um, like, right, and he. Uh, he wanted Jim. What was it called? It was called Break. Was what it was originally. Yeah. It was actually called. And uh, it, it said it took him ten years. He was writing it for ten years. Well, the develop. Well, the development. But he initially wrote the script uh, for Break, which would eventually become Platoon. But when he wrote Break, he wanted Jim Morrison to play the lead character in it, and he sent it to him. And uh, when Jim Morrison died in Paris, they found the script in his. Uh, apartment <laughs> yeah huh. wow. i don't know if he ever read it but he did he did receive it um, also that's any- why he drank himself to death yeah <laughs> also also anytime i see tom berger i'm just like i just want to say what's up essay and he starts throwing erasers at people you know like it's just like that's all i see that guy in it's like that's he was in a bunch of luke on. schultz's movies yeah yep, yep. <laughs> that's what happens when you get 60 you know when you're like 60 70 years old but, uh, that's what happens if you don't convert the bag as an actor. Yeah, yeah, and right. but you still have to be in these war movies. Let's get the guy from Platoon, you know. But, uh, yeah, right. sniper. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Uh, I've never uh, seen that all the way. Well, yeah, don't. Bad. It's 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 bad. So we have you seen it? Sniper Special Ops? Yeah, yeah. Oh, with Steven Seagal. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, so no, and like it. Then after after you know Jim Morrison died and all that stuff, and he couldn't get him to play the lead role in the film. He like he became a successful in other other scripts. He wrote Midnight Express. He wrote Scarface. And then uh, yeah, he eventually once his film career started to kind of take off, he was finally able to make Platoon. But this was like the getting out of Vietnam was kind of like I. I need to make a movie about this. That was like the, the thing that kind of launched his career as a filmmaker was making a movie about Vietnam. What's interesting too, is that um, reading, a bit, reading a bit about it as well is that he got a lot of pushback because deer hunter mm-hmm. and apocalypse now with the two Vietnam films that came out in the seventies and the studios were like, well, that's it. That's it. That's you all know, we have to we, say. We got everything. Yeah. yeah. You know, and while I love Vietnamese, you know, fucking Russian roulette with, uh, you know, in Saigon. Um, yeah, I'm really glad that more films were made later on. But it's interesting. And looking into it, too, his first short he's credited with is a short about him coming home and dealing with his Vietnam stuff and talking to his parents and things. And I actually really want to see that because it's shot in 71. I've never seen that. Which is pretty crazy. So, yeah, it's i got to look at what it's called again. Well, but, um, it, you know, it's, it's funny you say that because then Platoon goes, releases your statement of, they don't want any more Vietnam films. And then it's just bombardment of Vietnam yeah. films right after that because the successful platoon goes Hamburger Hill came out a year later. Yep, yep. and then oh, uh, Casualties of War, yeah. yeah. And then... Uh, mm-hmm. I totally forgot about Hamburger Hill. That's one of those films you forget about for some reason. That was also highly yeah. requested in the comments on this poll that I put on there. We're going back to the A-Shaw for sure. Never seen it. Oh, yeah. I, I really like Hamburger really? Hill. It's never I seen it. It's really intense. It's like, I actually dude, think I prefer 68 it. 68 Camaro. Yeah. <laughs> I, really well I think I actually prefer it uh, than this film. I like this film, but I think I liked Hamburger Hill more. I'm more intrigued now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really, really well done. And just the attrition in it and everything, and just you really get this feeling of, like, why, you know. it. You know, it really is, all around the subject of the Vietnam War films, it really is a tragedy how bad Apocalypse Now, or not Apocalypse Now, um, uh, Full Metal Jacket is. Yeah. Oh. I really feel like that was a wasted opportunity. It is that a wasted was, opportunity. You can't film yeah. a Vietnam movie in, in England. I, I mean, think you know? yeah. I think some parts of Full Metal Jacket are really good. Yes. And then there's other parts of it that I'm just like, Bleh. Well, Full Metal and, Jacket for me, it's, it's a failure in that I don't think it's meant to... To like you know um, promote like uh, uh, the military or anything like that. I don't think that was Q- uh, Kubrick's intent. However, when it anyone did. when when anyone talks about that movie, all they do are just quote Arlie Ermy funny lines. Well, you know? I like, well, well I think I think what it is is like that movie suffers from the cult following that, it, that has did, with Yes, it. that's what I'm talking about. And the yeah. cult following has warped it into a different mentality and than what it was I intended think. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I think that's what it suffers Which, from. Whereas you have other films of the same kind of era and the same subject matter that aren't as twisted and or manipulated mm-hmm. to be po- what they aren't by a cult following right. because they either don't have it or they are just under the line. You know, Brian. There's not one Vietnam or reenactor that won't know M I C K M O U S E. Yeah. What do you call it? And before I leave it, I'm a big Kubrick fan, and uh, my I think his best work, um, just while we're here, is uh, Clockwork Orange. Oh fuck! Such an yes. amazing <laughs> fucking movie. Fuck. I'm actually interested to ask you that question, Michael. So I've never asked you if you like Kubrick at all, but it's all you do. Um, no, I um I I, uh, I was into Kubrick when I was in high school. And uh, I kind of put it down, and I haven't picked him up since then. But I haven't seen Clockwork Orange since, like, 
Jesus Christ, I don't know, 2010 or something like that. I so. have never seen it. You won't forget it. You won't forget it. I watched that shit like for the first time because everybody was like, when we were in Kuwait, like in 2009, mm-hmm. they were like, you got you, you ever see a Clockwork Orange? Nope. All right, here. And then we were sharing files totally legally, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, hard drives. Um, but like you're in Iraq, it's okay. No, I was in Kuwait. <laughs> oh, so Kuwait. I, I, I don't know yeah. the laws. There. It's even more okay. In yeah, Kuwait. it's even okay. more okay in Kuwait. <laughs> but um, so I watched it on my own volition, right? And I just sat there, and I was in my cot, and I was watching this thing, and I'm like, "Holy fuck!" Yeah, this it's is a, trip. a mind fuck. Mm-hmm. Like it's a mind fuck to the nth degree, and it's I saw it. Yeah. When I was like 13, because people didn't tell me I shouldn't watch <laughs> That's it. That's why you watch it. Account, and I was like, eh, f- it literally, yeah. yeah, yeah, fuck it. It was so, like, I saw Come and See and, like, uh, Clock of Orange around the same time. Yeah. And that yeah. probably explains a lot. But we were talking, but, um, we, we were talking about um, uh, Full Metal Jacket and Mike, um, Mike watching The Hurt Locker. <laughs> oh my God. Dude. You haven't seen the film, so shut your fucking cock. I know the references. Is that Ludwig Van? I know it's like Platoon. I've seen bits of it to know the references. Yes. You're a genocomb. But yeah. uh, we were talking about um, Full Metal Jacket. And, like, the, that's the thing where I say that that movie. I think it really it really fails because yeah it's it's the cult following like you say that that, that has made it popular it's like oh Arlie Ermey is so funny it's like I don't think that was Kubrick's intent but you know um, that's why I think that uh, Tigerland in terms of Vietnam films is like kind of the antithesis of um, Full Metal Jacket because it's like these drill sergeants they're not funny like what they say and stuff like that they're not uh, and so no, when um, you're actually there like speaking from experience like it's not. When you think about it afterwards, like the shit they say, it's mm-hmm. funny. But like while it's being said and like yelled it's and screamed, not funny, dude. It's because yeah. you're always stressed, and it's mm-hmm. like so. Like the the thing I would say really quickly, and then we'll get off this fucking topic because I fucking Full Metal Jacket's its own thing. It's all, yeah, that's gonna probably be like a four and a half hour podcast. <laughs> by the I way, I can't wait. So I've been talking to some Marine buddies of mine who run hardcore immersion events for Vietnam, and they're actually Marine lieutenants who want to come on and destroy that movie. So we'll have a really good episode. Yes, eventually. but cool. anyway, so the, let everybody know. So earlier, I mean, yes, I know the whole backstory about blah, 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 the whole thing. Like he was supposed to be the advisor. I get that. That was very fucking tame and like dumbed down to an audience that didn't have to ever go through that. And then they're like, oh, it's so fucking funny. Oh, it's so whatever. But it's like, when you're in that environment, yes, Nate, I see your hand, and I'm going to stop this immediately. When you're in that environment, when you're in that environment, A, they're not talking that slow and that clearly. B, it's not fucking funny. And C, I agree with you that's not Kubrick's intent. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it was to show how shitty it was for these guys. Mm-hmm. All right, penis. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> you get your fucking. You're, you're counting. We're fighting each other. Sorry, we're, we're, counting counting, each we're other. countering each other with numbers. How many fingers we Count have? My fucking words. All right, but anyway, it's, that, that's that's one of the big problems. And like, but in okay, I'll really quickly say in platoon, I did not see any of that Hollywood bullshit, as far as like the way the NCOs were talking. I mean, there was some. You could debate me on that, but like, as far as the NCOs talking to the fucking subordinates and whatever. I know you're not in basic training. You're not in boot camp, but like that's, it wasn't out of the ordinary. So, all right, Nate. Well, I, I was just going to chime in. I think, I think what full metal jacket suffers from, and then we'll, we'll officially move on after Brian is that full metal jacket suffers from the fact that 
no other movie had interpretate that's not even a word fuck had not shown boot camp in that way before Correct. and i think you're right and i think and i think that 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 well, that, nope. that well hold on let me finish i think mainstream wise let's, let's, i'll counter your yes, you're thinking of yeah, yeah. the boys yeah, company may, seat, yes yes yeah 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 who have countered who have you know, hit mainstream media and showed that you know Yes, this guy is ridiculous in his comments and remarks. It's ridiculous. And I don't think anyone had really heard that before in the mainstream movie media before. And I think that's why it takes off so much. And then I think that that is what constantly feeds Full Metal Jacket because that is something that no one has really ever Mm -hmm. seen. And so I think if you take that away or if you take that – the fact that it was the first main one to hit that that vein – I think Full Metal Jacket wouldn't be as prevalent as it is. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, if yeah. it was, if it wasn't the first one. So Brian, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna bring up the Boys Company C. It's funny how you talk about things and you remember other movies. Um, and yeah, so that's an interesting one because it's like the antithesis. In a way. It's the Tigerland of, uh, in another way of, um, you know, uh, Full Metal Jacket because it's Marine Corps guys, you know, doing what they should do. Like they break you down, but then you, they build you up. You see a lot of like what you know DIs do actually not destroy you and make you know your fucking recruits kill you, you know. So that's what's interesting. <laughs> the boys and company C yeah. really is a is a basis I think in a lot of ways for what Kubrick wanted to do, but you know more macho and better shot. I don't like the boys from Company C, but it is a very interesting. Well, movie we're gonna have to do that watching. someday because I sure. I have a lot of bones to pick with that fucking film. It's really interesting because that is that is before Apocalypse Now and Deer Hunter. Yes, correct. Yeah. That was actually, in my opinion, the first Vietnam War movie. Pretty much, yeah. That was made and that actually got some traction. Mm-hmm. I gotta see Deer Hunter two. I've never seen that either. Deer, I've seen oh, Deer Hunter one. I've never if, seen if Deer Hunter two. If you've seen uh, Always Sunny, then you've you've seen part of it because they always. <laughs> yeah, Frank is yeah. fucking again. Two shaded again, glasses, I think yeah. it's like I know all the references. You will all these mm-hmm. movies, but it's no. just like finally. So hey, Brian, uh, on your list, mm-hmm. let's do fucking Boys and Company C. Let's do yeah, fucking sure. Full Metal Jacket. Just write them down. Otherwise, we're going to forget. We always forget. Yep. We have a master list, so. Yeah, well, um, that's what I'm telling you. Throw them on there. Uh, Boys and Company C. We also got to do the Siege of Firebase Gloria, which is another Vietnam War movie with Arlie Ermey that's really bad but really good. It's got an amazing set, but everything else sucks about it. So it's, well, I'm like, you know, I love the Vietnam War, so we'll get into it. Oh, we also set. have to do Good Morning Vietnam. Which well, is, dude, uh, I actually love way. that fucking film. It's good in a different way. Yeah, yeah it, so. it's it's not your war, typical war film, which I like. It's a, it's a, it's an emotional fucking roller coaster. And there are some other good ones I stumbled upon recently too. One called like White Tiger, which is about rock marines in Vietnam, which I never knew existed. Oof. Which I really oh, not the, not, oh, not, s- not the ru- not not the Russian White Tiger one. No, 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 no. You no. sent me that. You sent me a trailer, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it was really that, cool. That looks like it's gonna be fucking brutal. Yeah, late eighties, and it's it looks very interesting. Jesus um, Christ, yeah, it's uh, there's so many. We we could do missing in action if we ever wanted to one day. <laughs> yeah, I mean someday. Like, I've, I've never like, heard yeah, of that one. Either. It's fucking endless. Jesus. That's not. Yeah. That's the, that's when uh, Chuck Norris goes back to Vietnam to rescue. His oh son. no, I don't want to fucking. <laughs> Wait a minute, that. are you talking about? Well, are, you talking about reason- are you talking about uncommon valor? No, that's no. the other one. Okay, that's <laughs> the other one about yeah. that. I know. The, yeah. the reason the Vietnam War ended that's, in that's 75. That's like the first Untouchables in a way. The reason you know? that the Vietnam War ended in 75 is because Chuck Norris left in 74 and then came back. <laughs> and then it was it was over. What? It's over. It's what, fucking what was, over. 
what was the film that Sean was saying? If this is the film, I'm gonna kill you. We were talking about that oh, the other night. Uh, uh, the British one. Yeah. What was it? It's Bravo, got two names. Bravo. Bravo Two Zero is the Bravo American one, and the other one's yeah. Karifa or something. Yeah. And yeah, he was talking we'll about that one. one. He's just like, I'm gonna kill you now. <laughs> You've been wanting to do that one for is a it while. A credible threat or is it a toe-headed threat? It's a credible threat. Yeah. No, Sean. If some, if I ever die mysteriously, it's Sean. Well, Sean's, <laughs> yeah, Sean's a toe-head, yeah. so like it's like, it's it's. I don't know if it's credible or when he says that. Like I mean, no, it's real. It's real. I, I've known the man since second grade. It's real. That's not it's good. Real. Yeah, that's not it's real. Good. Yeah, way it goes. Oh, we all oh, we wait. also have to do Siege of really quick. We have to yes, do that, that very you. soon. Do you guys know what the first Vietnam War film ever made was? And one of you, it involves your idol, or not your idol, but some of you really like. It's the Green Berets, right? No, it's not. It's before that. Earlier, it's earlier than the Green Berets. Hmm. I'm not gonna guess. What is it? Is that Sean Bean? (laughs) It's got Audie Murphy in it. It's from 1964. (laughs) Oh, and it's called A Yank in Vietnam. Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah, and it's based off of a really bad book that was written during the war in China, which was basically about like how America was doing these things over there they shouldn't be doing, and the CIA was getting involved and funding things. Um, It's not a very well made movie, but it it literally is the first. Sounds pretty fucking accurate, but like. well, the, if you if you read Embers of War, it's really good. Like this book that's all about Indochina, it goes yeah. into the depth of how that was written in the the film as well, and the difference of the comparisons. Um, but that's the first Vietnam War film actually ever made. Technically, chug. they did make chug. Platoon or what? Chug, chug. Oh, I think it dude, was, I drink uh, a lot of water. Or... Fucking these guys know me. I drink a lot of fucking water. Like I know, I know. It's fine, it's fine. There's another fucking Indochina made. film made from Peter Schaffer, who was at DMB and Fu, and he made the DMB and Fu movie from the 90s, and the Anderson Platoon, which is this crazy documentary about the first African American lieutenant who graduated from West Point and goes to Vietnam, and, and about his platoon in Vietnam. Um, but long story short, I think that's like Platoon 317 came out in the early 60s as well, so that technically might be competing with this one. But the first American-made film about Vietnam is with Artie Murphy. So since we're at break time, I want to get to get piss as I'm. You know, yes, chug, chug, chug. Yes, I have been drinking a lot of water, so I need to piss. <laughs> okay, all right. So we're on break time. You, and ta- like, you, you take some in and got to put some out. I got it. Hey. <laughs> oh, my God. Where, this where is... the fuck are you, jungle fatigues? You fucking clown. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Oh, in the, my God. I'm not I in the jungle. A great film. It's an, also made during the Vietnam War about American soldiers in Vietnam. It's called Nam's Angels. It's about a biker gang that's recruited and given Yamaha motorcycles and sent to Cambodia oh. to go rescue an American diplomat. And it was filmed and distributed in 1970. Good Lord, whose fucking film <laughs> student movie is that? Let's see. Um, Dude, oh my God. Nom, what's it called? It's called Nam Angels. Nam Angels. Nam's Angels or The Losers. So like Hell's right, Angels, well, there, Nam's well, Angels. Yeah. Well, there's your cliche movie, dude. Wow. Dude, it's like, it's like Green Beret, but... Slow mo. I just no. I just looked up Nam's Angels. The act. The the alternate title for it is The Losers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude. It's like fucking. Um. Oh, what's that? Uh, what's the the biker outlaw film from '69 with Peter Fonda? Oh, <laughs> Easy Rider. <laughs> yeah, it's e- like Easy Rider, but they're in Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, I've never wow. heard of this. This is amazing. I thought Green Berets was bad. Yeah. Directed by Jack Starrett. Starrett? Starrett? What? This was three years before the Hanoi Hilton was closed and the American POW exchange. Yeah. Fuck. Now I gotta go <laughs> pee. I'll be right back. Oh, see, now we all gotta piss. Jesus. Yeah, oh, sorry. God. Piss break or... What?
the fuck I'm going to piss just for, yeah, just to be safe. Yep. Just because I can. Yeah. <laughs> fuck it. Dude, we got to do Nam's Angels. No, Holy we're shit. not. We're, I was sitting there, like, talking to you while I was pissing. And I'm like, oh, wait, my mm-hmm. mic my mic on my headset's Dude, not active. Dude, they have a PPSH. That's pretty rare. It's Madsen M50s, or, yeah, fucking, like, zip-tied to the front of Kawasaki motorcycles. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. Oh, and it's all on YouTube. But, yeah, then it really... Yeah, Boys Company C comes out in 78, the same year that uh, Deer Hunter comes out. So, Oh, and The Odd Angry Shot comes out a year later. So, interesting. It's another film we have to do. So, I think it's time to jump on IMFDB. What do you guys think? All I right, dig let's it. do IMFDB. Yep. You can dig it, so... I have no idea what this is. I didn't see it at all in this film. Really quick, so. the uniforms... And the equipment were pretty fucking good for 67. And like late, there was late some 67, 67 field gear and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. Well, I'll touch on that in a minute. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about the guns themselves, but like the gear itself, not bad for late 67. Not bad. They they have Arvin Rucks, I think. They really shouldn't have Arvin Rucks, but it's, um, they, some units yeah, did. They, I mean. well, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that, that is an Arvin Ruck. Yep. Um, yeah, so we said, but like, as far as like their uniforms themselves, there was some continuity shit with Charlie Sheen. He was wearing uh, third patterns in a lot of scenes, and then he's all of a sudden wearing second patterns, and then back to third patterns again, and then, <laughs> and then back to second patterns. Jungle fatigue. I noticed that in the last battle, like when he runs in, he goes, "It's fucking beautiful." Like the next time you see him, he doesn't have any field gear on. I'm like, what happened? Right, I mean, yeah. You can assume. There was some continuity but, shit, know. and it's like, I get why, you know, they're probably fucking tired as shit and worn down, but, like, that's something. Okay. That, that and, all, and that and also scenes could be cut. Things could be, you know, maybe they didn't get the scene where his gear gets blown off. <laughs> you know? oh, I, I noticed that there was, dude, there's a lot of stuff like that that always happens. Yeah. 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 There right. was one scene where, like, they're, they're cutting through the woods or the, the jungle, and there's no noise or anything. In the beginning, and I'm like, oh, that's somebody not. They couldn't have muted a line of audio because it's the '80s. But I was like, oh, that's that's been left out or something. Yeah, you know? because like, like when you here's funny. the thing is like, even I don't give a fuck where you're at. When when, dude, when an infantry fucking unit is moving, I don't give a fuck how quiet each individual soldier is trying to be. You're making a fuckload of noise. I mean, a fuckload. And that movies usually. Don't get that right. So, yeah, it's... You, you're making a fuck... Like, guys, seriously, you can hear people walking from, like, a 300 fucking yards away. And it, it's just whatever. But um, anyway, yeah. So, okay, we got the MC... Okay, this IMT, FTB is going to be really fun to pick apart. All right. This is going to be a big one. So, this is uh, just... Uh, just because we need to get better at it. This is the M16... The very first yes. Oh, that, that oh, is a okay. very vague term. So, all right. So I'm reading this. Uh, has an A1 flash hider, but lacks a forward assist. Oh, this could be a model 603. I have one of these. Um, that might have had. Well, no, it's unlikely that it would have the A1 fucking birdcage flash hider. So it would have probably because like the Air Force and the Navy use a lot of uh, 603s. That don't, that don't have the fucking... Oh, that's a 601 receiver. Never mind. Um, yeah, yeah. So the A1. And we'll talk about the A1 a little bit. Is because... Okay. Late 67. Yes. 
they were starting to introduce the A1, okay? I don't know if the 25th was one of the units that got A1s right away, but most likely, in my opinion, not a fact, is that the 25th would have still been using mostly XM16E1s or the Colt Model 602, which would have had the half the half fucking uh, cage is what we call it on the uh, or the half fucking fencing on the receiver and whatever. So like, is the only difference between the A one or the major difference between the A one and the M sixteen? Because I just don't know. Is that because it lacks a forward assist? On the well, M16? a million different. There's a million things. different things. I'm not going to get okay. too far into it. So I don't know anything about Vietnam. The, the ball, M16, the bird cage, so, yeah. the forward assist. Yeah. So this um, right there, the M sixteen A one, they've got that correct in the in the actual photo. So the uh, the XM sixteen E one fence around the the magazine. Well, no, um, the, the full fence, but like so the. Never mind, I won't oh, fucking grab I one. See, I see what you mean, yeah. So they also, the XM16E1s had a chrome-plated bolt carrier, right? The A1s, it was phosphate because they figured out to chrome-plate the bores, and they had a bunch of other shit that they did. Um, so he's got an A1 there. All right, I'm not going to get too nerdy on that, but like, yeah, okay, that's an A1, that's an A1. I don't know how likely that would be for this unit to have new A1s at this point. Because the A1 was issued into the field to mainly the Army. The Mar- Some of the Marine Corps got it, but like mainly the Army in 67. And it's like, well, this unit that was a combat unit that was in action quite frequently um, probably would still have the XM-16E1. But that's just a fucking nerd thing. It could... Hey, these guys could have had A1s. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's just unlikely, in my opinion. But... At, at Doc Toe, a few months earlier, they... There was a whole company, uh, A Company, 173, that was wiped out. And... Um, 1st Battalion. And they found a lot of guys around shell holes with jammed M16s. And they were all the earlier model. And this was still in 67. So, you know, 67 is the transitional period that you see for the Army with, from, like, the M16s that were having issues due to the powder change that nobody told the manufacturers about, which is the real reason that happened, that happened. Um, you know, um, to where you had the reliable M16. And I've literally met Marines that are like, I've, I had a 14 all the way through Huey, you know, like that kind of shit. So that 67, 68 is a very interesting period of time for vietnam it's not what you expect as long with the uniforms and the boots it's also pretty late like you think about it changing but we can we can debate that later but um so the uh the colt model uh yeah 653p that so that was an experimental thing that eventually evolved into the xm177 and 177e1 so this doesn't have a forward assist on it and it's got the full fence because it's built on a newer receiver but they were trying to figure out how to make a carbine that would still pack the punch of a rifle, and yeah, there were a ton of variations yep. of the carbines. Yep, um, they had like they had even had one that had like a triangular handguard that had a stock Correct. that folded up and down the, the the buffer tube. I think I forget what version of that is, but yeah, there was a bunch of different things they went around. And actually, um, if anybody's ever seen a real XM one seven seven E one or E two. That um, is a moderator. It's not a flash suppressor. It actually moderates the uh, right, and that's a, they the did, sound and the muzzle. But flash. they don't it have that on this, it. yeah, because it's a very oh, they don't very but, fucking early, like the very early trial. 
It's funny because it's got a fucking okay. So go up a little, or just right there. You're fine. No, you're fine on Tom Berenger. Like, yeah, that's fine. So look at the fucking uh, forward assist. Because on the earlier models, either they didn't have them or they would still retain the teardrop forward assist. Hmm. Yeah, and it's got the top. That's got an A2 forward assist on it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, yep. Very interesting. And it's also got a fucking full. Yeah, it's just whatever they could find to be a carbine. And yeah, you're you're right. On the original ones, the compensator on the end is what it's called. Was not. Oh, so go up a little bit. Or no, to the. I'm sorry. Uh, the one where it's kind of blurry right below this. Okay, so that's the one that looks like it has the triangular handguards on it, right? Well, that's got randoms on it, but yeah, there was a version. Yeah, but like it, it has it. like the the fucking earlier style uh, receiver with the like no fucking uh, shell deflector or anything like that, and it also looks like a three- oh, brass deflector. That's a good point. Yeah, it looks like a three prong fucking uh, muzzle device. So, so yeah, just for people to understand the, the terminology. Earlier on, they had a three-prong uh, muzzle device that worked great, but the problem was it would get stuck on sticks and shit. So they changed it to a fully enclosed one, which they called the birdcage, which looks like a birdcage. So that's the difference. And sometimes guys would have... You see three-prongs all the way to the end of the war. Sometimes guys you would see them You see them through the fucking 90s. Stuff, you, so. you see three-prongs. <laughs> really? You know? Funny. But, like, um, okay, so he's got that. Yeah, it's... That's about where my knowledge ends on the ARs, like that they had back there. But like, it's it should be, yeah, it should be a, a 177, like a huge fucking long muzzle breaker compensator. Yep. So, but it's yeah. And the the later ones were made so you can put a grenade launcher on it because at this time they were experimenting with stuff. They had the XM 148s, yep. which were a version of the grenade launcher. Yeah, 22 millimeter NATO grenade launcher. Yep. All right. The M203s did come out by the end of the war, and they were used in country, which is kind of yeah. Seventy-two, but, they started um, carrying them, but no earlier than that. But well, um, like and like when they were issued, they were it's like seventy-two-ish. You start seeing them. It was pretty late. You see them by sixty-nine. No, but, you um, see the not not in any fucking numbers. But you, you still see them in country. Again, the again, I'm focusing on the norm, not the exception. So and I'm focusing on research, which which shows that they were in, in, in the country in mass. I'm not focusing but. on research. Well, I'm just saying that they were. You're mistaken with this. There were a lot of two or threes in country by '69. It's a misconception for a lot of people. We'll talk about it later. I'll show you some photos. But um, yeah, the Rinkos. Mike, how, how's the snacks, man? They, they doing all right? Oh, sorry, am I making noise? <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm, I might just join you and let them go at it, so it's fine. Oh, no, it's just so fucking worth it. It's just fucking annoying. But like, you're just yeah, like, what? Is there anything we can talk about? No, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. Yeah, I'm, I'm. No, I'm listening too. I don't know. Any, I don't have a dog in this fight, so it's fine. This, uh, I, I was gonna ask though, is this, is this accurate right here? Yeah, the 56, very, very fucking common. Okay. Actually, more common than the AK-47 and the AKM. Interesting. Because China was closer, and they had a more direct line to North Vietnam to supply them. And the Type 56 is basically a bootleg version of the AKM. Hmm. Or the AK-47 slash AKM. They, they were still milled. A lot of them are milled receivers, like you see in this picture right here. But they just put the folding bayonet like they had in the SKS there. And then also they have the uh, full globe front sight protector instead of like the uh, the fins like on an AK-47 so but yeah 
most AKs that they found in Vietnam were Type 56s. So, love those spike bayonets. Always great to see. Yep. And at the end of the movie, the one guy's talking like, "You okay?" to uh, you know O'Neill, and he's like playing with a bayonet. <laughs> Yep. See, there's a steel helmet. Yeah, it's yeah got that a, is a. Can you can you zoom in on that? See, that's like I think it's an M40 or something, but it's up. or it's at least an East Block helmet, for sure. And again, they were used by anti-aircraft crews and yeah, stuff. It's an M40. SSH40. Yeah, so. Well, I can't see the chin strap, but I'm going to assume because it's of the placement of the. Well, gear. isn't that it? Isn't that it right there? Uh yeah, but it's it's too dark. Like the shape, it's not it's not Polish. It's 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 Soviet. There might be a better shot of them, but and technically they should be in khaki as well. Um, now that I think of it, but it, it's few times you see them, you know, it's, it's really hard to tell what they're wearing because it's mostly dark. The, the, the guys, the NBA, the, the, the yeah. uniforms. By '67, they were starting to go to the olive green. True, but the in country there were more khakis at this point. It really is not until when you have the wave of Tet that kills everybody that you have the influx of new uniforms that go to the south. Yeah. So. See this? The, okay, so Charlie Sheen's wearing second patterns in this fucking. <laughs> he's got the oh, epaulets yeah, on there, yeah. and then the yeah, the gas flap and everything. Yeah, fun. So is that before he gets knocked out? He changes uniform. Well, dude, sleep? it's like it's it's actually like through this entire <laughs> sequence. The plane did it for him. Yeah, yeah. If if you go back and like watch the entire sequence, he's in third patterns, and then he's in seconds, and then he's in third, and then he's in seconds, and then he's in thirds, and like during the battle, he's in thirds, and then. After the battle, he's in second patterns. Damn, so they, okay. they must have not just had a solid costume for him then. So Well, it probably took so fucking long to film all this shit. They probably, like, yeah. They, they probably had, those, the, maybe those were like, they had to come back for reshoots or something. And that's why it's different or something. Or this is the one they chose to tear up. and Yeah. They just, well, yeah, but he's got, tear up. It, even in the, even like the, when he comes back from when he's wounded the first time, right? He's smoking weed and everything in the bunker. Um, It's like, He's also switching from thirds to seconds. Mm. Does he have his like, ri- what? Does he have his wristwatch like pinned to his his lapel buttonhole? Okay. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's a common thing. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Like your hair, I'll pull it. So yeah, I used to do that when I reenacted because it's a great place to see it, especially if you're an RTO if you have to tell time because you're just gonna break your crystal on your watch if you have it in your fucking wrist. I've done yeah. that so many times. Same, yeah. So it's annoying. That's why I wear. That, that's why I wear cheap reproduction of watches when I do World War II because I've I've destroyed so many repros that I don't want to risk wearing a real one. So. I love in the night ambush his his watch fogs up. That's so legit. You know, it looks like a cheap psycho, which is totally correct as well for the '60s. Ah, the pig. In the beginning, it was neat to see Elias carrying it. So it made me realize, like, oh, that's right. What it, is that this? What is this completely. thing right here? It's a locally made fucking. Like little, like a lo- oh, Vietnam like a, local yeah. gauntlet. The thing. Mon- yeah. there, there's a tribe in the middle of Vietnam called the Montagnards, and they're not Vietnamese. They're like their own kind of people, and they really don't like the Vietnamese. And, and we aligned ourselves with them. But long story short, Montagnards they make bracelets and stuff and things. And Montagnard bracelets were very common items you yeah, bought in country and war. They're from stuff. Cambodia, by the way. Home. But like, they're, okay. because they're close to Cambodia, that's probably why. They're, okay. not, they're not I Vietnamese. Fi- I, they're different. I figured it was something local, and I just I, I just wanted to... Montagnards are mountain people, they call them. And mm-hmm. it was the mountains between Vietnam and Cambodia. Those those aren't... That's not the same... That's not where Rambo 3 shacks up, right? 
I would have known. No, no, I don't think so. That's like those are like Tibetan monks or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen Rambo three. How dare you? Um, well, <laughs> we're gonna change that. <laughs> That's gonna be me in the chair, like fucking, you know, uh, Parker Gorge. It goes, it glows blue. You know, what does it do? It turns blue. I see the one who is Afghanistan. It's so fucking bad. That's oh Rambo three. Is that yes? Mm-hmm. Well, then how how is he with Montagnard? In, in the beginning, he's, like... he's 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 stick boxing in the market, raising money in like some kind of market town. And then they find him in like a monk um, temple thing. Uh, repairing wagons and roofs. His I didn't know Rocky was a Vietnam War. You notice that his hair <laughs> just gets longer with every one of those movies. Like his, but, <laughs> his his head also gets bigger and his nuts get smaller. Yeah, his his roids yeah. increase, but his hair, I swear to God, like I mean, it's it's like '80s like woman's perm hair by the. <laughs> I I love him when they make fun of him in South Park. And they have a translator. Mister Stallone would like to. Yeah, that was that was that was me about four hours ago with Novocaine in my mouth, going, "Yeah, no. what we do, damn." <laughs> anyway, the oh, there's a very the M60. Uh, there's a very '80s did, muzzle flash right there. Did it? Uh, did yeah. it ever? Did it ever uh, seem like uh, the pig felt real to me? Like in terms yeah, of its sickly rate, there's a real M60. Nice blanks, yeah. yeah. Nice, nice <laughs> crimped ends. Over yeah. top. No, they're not crimped. They're the uh, old. No, paper those ones. are the wax. So those are the wax oh, seal wax ones. Paper they ones, work yeah. really well, actually. Yeah, so. they work a lot better because they actually fucking chamber. Yeah. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. No uh, chatters like a Where should. was the picture? Feed the pig, man. That's also the arbiter with a pig. So there you go. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he's wearing his fucking rounds the correct way because, like in the movies, they'll have like the fucking. Oh, that's right. The bullets we'll like the it's like, dude, it digs into your fucking neck. They dig into your right, neck yeah. anyway, but like, don't have the fucking rounds digging into your the neck. The tips don't dig into your neck. I've Correct. done that for a joke, and it hurts. Yeah, so. it's not fun. Yeah. Nice blanks. Nice blanks. German marine actors usually do it because they put a 50-round belt in their Y-straps, and they stand up, and then they, they learn the pain <laughs> that, like, you know, 8mm does. Oh, 50 cal, yeah. Yeah, the Madus. Yep. Good old, you know, German naval ensign. <laughs> They're fucking uh, tiny. Like they're they're not fun to ride in. FN mag. That's where you ride on top. <laughs> it was an FN mag fifty eight. I guess in the back. It was the barrel right there? Oh yeah. yeah. Right here, I guess. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. The weapons cache. Yeah, the eight seventy. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Fucking boomer. <laughs> <laughs> what, boomer what is, bunny. What does he look like now? He's a. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Good lord, Oof. that is the fakest mustache Entourage. I've ever seen. Oh my god. It's also the way he's holding the A2 is what you, like what you mean? Yeah. fucking, that's uh, not good. Kel- Kevin Dillon and drama is He was not, in the blob. As, as Mike yeah. says. Yeah, the blob. N- Mike says, not good. Not good. Um, <laughs> the blob is great, I've only seen the original blob. The, blob the, well, the, the 80s blob is great. The original one's hilarious, but the, the 80s one is like fucking awesome. So, just kind of something funny with a shotgun. A lot of times when people reference the scene where Elias shotguns Taylor, they'll say that he's blowing liquid hair or uh, vaporized heroin into the fucking shotgun. And it's like, you people don't know what drugs wow. are. It's kind of funny because he takes a joint literally out of his mouth and yeah. in the same scene. <laughs> I know. Fucking blows marijuana smoke up to the fucking. I've seen people reference that as heroin multiple times. He carbon like, he know. carbon dioxides him. Like, and that's literally yeah, he, all he, he does. Oh, go up for a sec. Go up for a sec. 
No, to, to the picture below that. Never is there tape thing. around A2 grips? Oh, no, it's yeah. a shotgun. Never mind. Never mind. Mm-hmm. No. A, there's no, 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 on the left side, on the left left one. Oh, yeah, oh, that's, the, that's a oh, shotgun. That's a shotgun. Never mind. I was like, what the fuck? And then I realized it was a shotgun, so. Cute. Yeah, I mean, they use all kinds of shotguns in Vietnam. Like, it. Oh, yeah. They fucking Stevens. There was a lot of Stevens in Vietnam. I know that. Express. Most of the guys that I talked to, they liked the Ithaca 37 because you could extract it mm-hmm. while you were prone. Hmm. It would just go it would extract down. Oh, the MH 11A1. Two world wars. What, a, old two what world about wars. Korea Look. and Vietnam? Mm-hmm. Like that. Like I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. That's a high power Browning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> also, go up, go up for a second on that helmet shot. Uh-huh. Nah, it's every fifth round is a fucking tracer. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, they they That's a little they st- fucked that up. It's still cool to see the red though. Is that I like the hospital? Is that a common? Was that was that a? I mean, I, I, who knows? But like, I don't know. Dude, was that a, to put no. the bolts around your helmet? Okay, dude, you're adding a fucking another pound and a half. Yeah, that's a fucking two and a half pound helmet. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought because I was like, I don't see the. That just no. seems like bullshit. It's fucking stupid. It's just a fucking image thing. Cockadavy shit. Oh, there's good old Ollie. Yeah, that's him right yeah, there. Yeah, Oliver Stone in the cameo. Huh. He gets blown up by that like guy. Like a two seconds later. Why is he carrying a forty-five himself? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just like two fucking, world uh, wars, my friend. Well, who was the director of uh, Big Red One, where like he would shoot at people at uh, forty-five? Oh, uh, God, what was his name? I know, I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it. Uh, uh, what is his name? What is his name? I know it. 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 Sam Fuller. Sam Fuller. Yes. Yep. Yeah, right. Sam Fuller was crazy. Correct. Directed the the late great you know uh, what was that one we did in Korea I can't remember now oh, <laughs> fixed bayonets yes yeah. fixed bayonets <laughs> funny yeah, I'm the laws too. the laws are wrong but it's hard to get M66s even back then they had, need to see all the they tape around the them, though, like that. in '67 for sure you see more '66s though. Okay. For till tech. <laughs> no, I'm not going to argue that. But like the, the 66s were the ones that got the really bad reputation for not working. That's the ones you 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 know you go through five of them and they wouldn't shoot because of the moisture issues. And then they fixed the the firing mechanisms on the 72s and the sights as well. I need to see the blooper. The M79. You only see it like a couple times, though. Yeah, that definitely one yeah. guy per fucking squad would have had one of those. So I don't know why they didn't have more of these guys in there. Well, it depends how many they gave to the Philippines as aid. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the you know, rebels had them. What they had to use. <laughs> no. They had, you know, they didn't just have HE rounds for those. They also had a giant shotgun round for it as well. It's called uh, canister shot. Yeah, it's fucking devastating. So what? Just yeah. just yeah. like just anti personnel, just like bam. It, it, it's yeah, literally, literally like forty millimeter like trail shot. Fucking <laughs> mm-hmm. good yeah, lord! It's like okay, everybody in this like fifty yard vicinity is fucked. <laughs> if you, if you're there, I don't have to see you, but you're gonna be fucked. You're gonna get hit with yeah. something. Damn, it's kind of like it's kind of like it's kind of like grape shot clearing with a cannon. Mm. Yeah, it was yeah. it was harder to get as the war went on, I believe. Um, but yeah, they used it very heavily in the early part of the war. They also used flechette or flechette rounds, as we call them. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. And those were fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, box shot now has a point on it. <laughs> I knew an M79 guy, and they wouldn't give him a 45 for whatever reason, so he had his father buy him a gold cup and send it over to him. <laughs> What's a gold cup? Uh, it's a ni- cu- commercial 1911. Oh, I didn't know that was a term. At the time. Okay, that's yeah. cool. It's got a little, it's got like a horse, or it got a cult. Nice fucking DL yeah, yeah, B40 yeah. that they got on this picture here. I like that. Oh, is he covering up the hole? No, look at the fucking the stock photo. It's demilled. Oh. oh, never mind. No, it's got the fucking... No, I don't see the hole. Stainless fucking plate on the... Never mind. Go go down. Good old B40. We're gonna blow the hole! That scene was bullshit, by the way. Where they're running towards him, and he's just fucking, like, blindly firing, and, like, he knows where they're gonna... Like, that was kind of dumb. Eh, that's, that's just... They're trying to show chaos. That's Hollywood. I agree. Yeah, it, it, yeah. But there's no really like, good way to shoot it, you know? Yeah. I didn't. One thing. The one thing I didn't like is I didn't like how the camera follows. That's uh, what I mean. Like they're Charlie they're, they're running lot, yeah. and they're 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 screaming down this fucking path. It's like, a what are they going towards? B. And they it, that that was the one scene where I I'll always bitch about it. It's like that was pure fucking Hollywood, and that's stupid. To, so to touch on just the shots and stuff because I mentioned earlier, like there's you know it's more of a movie as far as how it's made. My favorite shot is not even that like interesting or like you know that well done or thought out, but I liked it was when you see Tom Berger come out when he's about to aim at Elias and like they're pushing through the jungle. And, like, yeah, that's the only. On yeah, that that's, was that, really that is that's probably like, the, the only, only good shot in my opinion. Yeah, that that's probably I would agree with you. That's probably the only like cinematic Ooh, looking yeah. <laughs> shot that I think I saw in the whole thing that stood out from the rest mm-hmm. of the film. Like, yeah, to to just put a a, a, a a a comparison to it. it's like when you see like uh the revenant or like blade runner 2049 it's like there's a lot of shots made for cinematic ooh mm-hmm. this doesn't really have that it it's more traditional uptight good cadence good editing but it's not like breaking the mold it's not like uh they pull even further back it's not the same cinematography kind of ooh like we saw in the thin red line like the thin red line has yeah, a really good yeah. cinematography and really good editing shit movie but but you know it, I, I this sounds a little harsh i liked it it just wasn't for me but the thing is it's like it just it's like that has ooh this doesn't have any real shots that really kind of do that it kind of is the same i i hate to say that this movie Cadence and ending felt like deliverance to me. <laughs> it's because because of the like, jungle and the, the <laughs> well, like well, just like the camera shots and the way it's placed, and I think that's because it's the time era. It's the '80s, '70s era of filmmaking where it's that kind of shot placement and running after the guy. And okay. I don't know, it's just like hmm. I felt a lot of that to it. Um, Interesting. Again, it's been it's been maybe ten years after, since I've seen Deliverance, so maybe don't quote me on that. But I felt <laughs> it's like even ten so. years. Fuck. I gotta watch it again. It's a good ass movie. Yeah. <laughs> you um, do that way too well. Holy yeah, shit. let's let's keep going. All right, the M twenty six. Actually, no, they fucked this up on IMFTB. It's the M sixty one with the jungle clip on there. That was the fucking yeah. Never mind. They 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 yeah. fucked that up. The nomenclature. Did you notice Charlie Sheen had one in his hand? Right, was the guy showed up at the end and he dropped it like he was about to kill himself. Really? Yeah, that's huh. I, I, I saw that. Yeah, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And so then, see, na- scene, 
Yeah, go, yeah. yeah go what, to, what, yeah. Scene, what scene was that? Because like, so it's that. at the very yeah, end we'll after, right after he kills Tom Berenger. Like it, the the guys in the vehicle shop, they're like, "Hey, are you hurt? Are you okay? Can you talk?" And he's just he's just he, sitting. He's there got a grenade in his hand. He has a grenade in his hand, and when the guy starts talking to him, he he throws it away. Yeah, we we, pull, we have to I'll, we have I'll to do that after up. we get. I'll pull it up. Yep. Yeah, let's just get through this because we're probably. So Willie Pete, I got a replica of that fucker sitting here. Yeah, Willie Pete, they're cool. Yeah, burn the fucking. Why did the Willie Pete? feel like it was like a freaking grenade going off underneath i did not like that oh dude because they do explode and then they just burn Anything. yeah but they don't but they don't like you're thinking of a thermite grenade a willie pete's a little different yeah, willie pete well, it, it blows willie, up well willie There's pete to my knowledge it does go off but it comes at the bottom it doesn't exactly explode nope. you're thinking of a thermite yep, you're thinking grenade. of a thermite uh this one you're thinking of the rangers of point to hawk no yeah, this is no willie pete it blows up and it sends fucking shards of burning phosphorus everywhere right mm -hmm. okay that, no, that, i know i know yeah. what willie pete is i just i just no no but that's how the grenade works grenade. that's how the grenade okay. works i didn't realize there was a grenade same with the uh, mortar okay. rounds and all that shit <laughs> like yeah it, it's fucked up like it's really not a good thing the type 67 Nice demilled one they got as an example there with the hole. In, but yeah, Type 67, man, like it's a fucking awesome stick grenade. It's like what mm -hmm. the M24 should have been because it takes up a lot less yeah. space. It's just, yeah. Cheap, easy to produce. And M18A1. They used a lot of those in City of Life and Death. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're good shit. The M18A1 Claymore. Studying in the Claymore was cool. Dude, yeah. I, I'd like that. Claymores are fucking insane weapons. It's very they come up a lot in this too. Yeah, it's very underrated. Like so so when I went through basically like we were still training on the tactics of Vietnam, right? Even as far late as I went to basic in 2008, when we're out in the woods, they're like, "All right, every time we they're like, "Okay, here's your um ORP, right? Your objective rally point and all that shit, and here's where we're going to be staying tonight, right? Uh you set up claymores on the perimeter." And it's like, holy fuck. And so you had to go out and, like, do that shit and set them up. They're training claymores. They weren't real. But, like, um, you still had to know how to do it. And, uh, yeah, fucking insane. They're a hell of a weapon. Yeah, in his hand right there. Mm. Oh, yeah, you're right. And then he drops it right when he shows holy up. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, back that up just a wow. little bit. Just one more time, just so I, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I know it's a skull, too, on the bottom of the 50. Fuck. Oh, he, he was thinking that those were. Wow. He's thinking that those were Vietnamese guys. I don't. Well, I think there's a scene. Obviously, there's a scene deleted or cut because look at the yeah. look at the difference. He's, he's just walking. Well, pause it really quick. Day. You see that Type 56 in the ground? The bayonet, yeah. The, dude, they cut it when he's when he leans down to pick it up. Look, because that that shot, oh, he goes down to. Yeah. They cut it out. Yeah, he was gonna blow blow it up. There must have been a whole huh. like psych like a whole thing. With wow, that, you know, mm -hmm. because here's the thing: there's no vehicle coming, so they just cut that whole scene out. There's a cue though. I noticed this time. There's you hear like an engine rev before he shoots um, Barnes, mm -hmm. and you don't know if that's friendly or enemy or not, which I thought was interesting. That's what I'm saying. Is like this he, little he, battle's he, over. He thinks it's gonna be the enemy, and like I no no I no I don't think that at all. I think what it is. I think it's like he doesn't know if that's. I don't think it's that. I think it's more of like the fact that they put that vehicle noise in there for that cut. And I feel like what they did with that is that that was a whole scene where he was thinking about killing himself after what he just did. And then I think to counter that, they just show him, uh, he, he, they put in the vehicle before the cut. 
and then they put in the vehicle noise all the way through that whole scene in the back. You just layer it on top, and then they just cut that scene out so they don't have that as a reference, and then you just lead it in the next scene. Hmm. Hmm. And I think that's what happened. You can interpret that. it oh. different ways. Yeah. Who knows? I, 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 they're I, missing there, there must sure. there must be a whole like scene of just like well fuck right. this. Or but whatever. I just noticed that I was like, what the fuck was that? And so I had to back I, it. Up. I've, well, I, dude, I've seen this film a fucking. Dozens of times. Mm-hmm. I never fucking noticed that. So that was cool. Thanks yeah. for pointing that out, actually. Yeah. Well, Stone is still alive. Somebody write him, yes. send him a letter. <laughs> you know. Hey, Ollie. Yeah. Hey, bud. We're on a first name basis. <laughs> next, next time he's at a, uh, you know, like, seriously, I mean, he's still alive. You can ask people like that. But um, that's very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, Joseph, I, I, I never fucking noticed that. You also noticed when uh, the, the, the big shot of uh, Willem Dafoe, when he's, you can see the squid device in his hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he drops it because during that did he have that, did he have ripped pants too or I don't know about that but uh, when when he when he's <laughs> during the whole hands up there. scene so he, he pulls a burn for sure oh, oh yeah but uh, he, when he's running he you can see the wire going up his arm he has the squib device in his hand and then uh, when he initially when they were doing that scene when he was gonna go like this he was his chest was gonna like blow up with squibs but he didn't he dropped it as you can see in this the take he doesn't have it. And so instead, he just he did this the 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 scene as he was supposed to, but then he just fell over, and they kept it like that. Right, Nate, go that back, go back to the iconic scene. Let's let's just know one thing yep. before that. Nate, go back ten seconds. I just want to point out something really cool. What's that little round thing on the his left? Um, what do you call it? Uh, that's near Prokhorov. Yep, very very common in Vietnam. They were round, and they would put them there. And you see them a lot in photos, but you never see them in uh, movies. So that's very legit. Well, here, here's the thing, too. Is like to pause it, pause it really quick, and then we'll go to the scene. Is well, you saw that he had his he had his first aid kit on his right shoulder, facing down. He must have been a left-handed shooter then, because you're not going to have a fucking first aid kit. Although he was wearing it upside down, like most of the guys did that I've talked to, and whatever. And it's open, which means that he used it. That's fine. I get that, but he must have been a left-handed shooter because his his ear pro is on his left shoulder and that's easily moved out of the way. The first aid kit's not. It's, it's, it's cool that he has the patch open that he used it, but also that's an oxymoron because you're not supposed to use your first aid patch on anyone else except for yourself. Because when you get wounded, then you don't have a bad yeah, advantage but, for yourself. It, so I'm just yeah. saying it's a cool touch, but in reality, yeah, you, you, you use theirs. You know, well, obviously with Sui Cut. Yeah. Whatever, in this situation, it doesn't fucking matter. Pause it. The guy's a captain behind him. Well, That's it was fun. like it was like that supply guy who's just like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> <laughs> Could have been, yeah, the fat yeah. fuck. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the role that I would have been cast in. <laughs> like, hey, so we can watch the iconic scene, and then there's one thing we didn't talk about. We'll talk All about right, sure. We can, uh, wound it up with ratings and stuff. Yeah, let's, do the, let's do the iconic scene and see the uh, yeah the, the squib device. That's fascinating about the grenade, though. I didn't. I never yeah, realized me that. either. It's awesome. So so. Uh, it's good touch. Let's see, I don't know. It's funny. You don't have the music on, but I hear it in my head when I see this scene. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yep. so ingrained. Go back a little bit more, Nate. Well, I, at least well, I have I mean, Mongolian throat here. music here from the is. end of it's, We Were Soldiers, but no, I don't but know like you, right you can no, see. <laughs> yep. Uh huh. No, go go, go yeah, back. Oh, to I see the left shoulder. I see the left side. Yeah. Go, go yeah. back though when we first see him running. When we first see him running, you can see it. It's in his hand, and yeah, He totally pulls a bird. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying that we're we're not guilty of this, you know. No, no, it's just it's just fun to point movie. out because yeah. we wouldn't know this if we hadn't done it. 
Right, yeah, no, so, I wouldn't have. You know. But to the layman, that's like, whatever, who fucking cares? But they can't tell. But uh, when I saw it, I was like, <laughs> I know what that is. Yep, I've seen this a million times, too, and i just... Been there, done that. Never fucking... Never fucking... Uh, it's in his left hand, so our right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because so. I saw a tube in, like, Ooh. the later scenes. Right. It's the fucking hose, rather, not the tube. Yeah, See, yep. right. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. holding it. Oh, like, there it is! <laughs> and then... Uh, oh, there it where's is. Where's he drop it? <laughs> oh, he dropped it here. Yeah, he yeah. dropped oh, it. Fuck. But like, and so yeah, because when he goes up like yep. this, they were yep. supposed oh, to. Oh, it's still his off. hand. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's still uh, trying to click it off. Yeah, you can see oh, his no, hand. It just doing clicked. It. <laughs> it just clicked. You could see, but like maybe it clicked. It's like fucking because something went out of his fucking back. Right, but then when he does the iconic move, he doesn't have it in his hand. Yeah, look, look, the, look. Yep, nope. he doesn't have it in his hand because this was done in one take. You could tell yep. it was like one take. Oh, yeah. One take. Start back this there. Very expensive. Come up they here, cut yeah. it. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking. But you amazing. see the wire really well. In a oh second. yeah, that's it's yeah, fucking the, the wires. It looks like a telephone. The wires wire. hanging out of his his thing right here. Yeah. Oh it's yeah, like yeah absolutely. Conduit one. Yep. It's just like yep. radio wire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, like, it's plausible. Oh, look at that. Hold on, look at, look at, look. Uh, I can't see it, Nate. Look at that as he's blocking. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Look at his chest. Look at the thing hanging out of his pocket. Yeah, he's all wired up. Oh, yeah, he's fucking completely, yeah. yeah that's... So, yeah, when he did that, he was supposed, his chest was supposed to explode, <laughs> but that he did, but it didn't happen. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so he just fell? He just fell, it made it yeah. More, it made it better, like, it's like, yeah. he's, he's been shot that would fucking be more, a million Because it would, it would literally be Tropic Thunder. Right, no, they they yeah. uh, they, they thought it worked better when they saw it like that. Shit, mm-hmm. so the, one of the most iconic yeah. scenes out of any war movie of all time. <laughs> it's, it's fucked up. We just fucking ruined it for everyone who's going to listen to yeah, this. Yeah, it's just the and most ourselves. obvious squib device sticking out, yeah. It's I had not ever, well, here's the thing, though. That that says a lot of what you can get away with on a film mm-hmm. is because, again, I've seen this thing fucking hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. I'm saying dozens, but like now that I think about it, like this hundreds, is, and yeah. I never fucking noticed that. I never noticed the grenade. So yeah, it's like this was the first time I watched this since I made a feature length film, like in like doing sound with you know Nate and everything, and like so I really was surprised at all the shit I I heard where I was like, wow, that's missing. Mm. But yeah. it's it's platoon. <laughs> yeah, it's See, like, he's wearing well, seconds there. Yeah, he's wearing seconds, and then he goes yeah. back to thirds. Yeah, it's just it's fun shit. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously in this film, um, the whole village scene is referencing my lie. You know, in, in a lot of different ways. Me lie, and, and I disagree with me you. lie. Well, it's fine, but like basically, what I'm trying to say is that you know, there's a lot of reasons that those types of things happened if they sometimes they did happen during the Vietnam war, you know, and I do like the way that they lead it up to it occurring. It's not so, you know, it's cut and dry, but it's not in a way, you know, like when you really think about it, when you take my life, for example, like if you want to use it as a case study, it was dudes, you know, in the bush forever getting sniped at and they finally just had too much. And then fucking you just do a whole village, you know? Um, but there's there's so much anger and pent upness that that really leads to it, and I really like how they kind of, you know, show how the craziness can infest infect everyone, like with Taylor and that you know guy we shooting at his feet and stuff, and it really shows how madness is contagious at certain times. Um, they keep talking about Manny and the engineers and things, and um, but it really is well done, and it, it shows how you know 
ordinary people in a way can, can do these horrible things. Um, and I think it's just worth mentioning or at least talking about. It is worth talking about. And I will say you've read a lot of memoirs, right? And too many. Yeah. So people that I've talked to that were just average grunts, that was the policy army Marine Corps is if they suspected that the village was harboring VC or supplying them, they'd burn everything to the fucking ground and they would just go, okay, now they don't have a supply chain anymore. It wasn't always based on hate or revenge or whatever. It was just a policy in this case. Sure. They kill one of their guys. They did it in a fucked up way. They got pissed, but it's also something they're going to do anyway. They, these people, the U S forces in Vietnam, the, the combat arms and the rock guys also, which we'll talk about in a future episode. <clears throat> yeah. It's like, okay, we found X amount of VC like hiding here. You have a shitload of supplies. We found guns. You're harboring them. Your village is now going to be burned to the fucking ground. That was the policy. That was their mentality. It was like, well, if we just, it's scorched earth. If we burn it all to the ground, then they won't have any supplies, blah, blah, blah. In reality, it doesn't work. It just makes more VC, right? Which they learned after the war. But that was a very, very common practice. And I've talked to guys that were just there, were not malicious. They didn't hate the Vietnamese. They they were just doing what's been done because this is our policy. Like, this is how we roll. Like, bam. And they showed it in this film. It wasn't a, a reference to Mi Lai, per se, because Mi Lai was fucking insane. It was... because. We'll get into that on a different fucking note. Yeah, but, uh, of war, I just we mean, do that. But like, yeah, I just mean the, the the you know the same formula that went into Milai, even though on a larger scale, played into what they tried to depict here. And just to touch on what you said, the thing is too, when you see, look at photos of guys in Vietnam burning down villages, that's usually because they're clearing out areas for friendly for um, okay, free Brian, fire zones. Who, who's going to take photos the of them burning down a fucking ran, random village? There's tons of press photos and, and photography right, but like, of them burning maybe down villages. Like in this stuff, case, in this in the, in this particular case, in the film, the guy's taking bunnies, taking photos of the whole thing. Yeah, how many of those photos actually got out, and how many like, you know what I mean? Like it's oh, no, it's, but, it's it wasn't something but that I'm like saying guys that if are you, proud of. They're just like, oh, it's what we do. Yeah, but you know that's the thing. But a lot of times it's misconstrued because that's just guys clearing out villagers. It's not the massacring villagers and. You know, like oh, correct. Milai was, was that was they, they lined them yeah, up and but, fucking they were just going on a rampage. Yes, yeah. But I, I just mean like you know when people usually show photos of, of Marines or guys smiling burning down villages, it's because that was a South Vietnamese government sanctioned area that was ordered the inhabitants was ordered out and they were told to destroy the infrastructure to stop the NVA or having a support base. Correct. And they would that would just be a friendly fire a free fire zone. Like you fucking see shit moving, you shoot it. That's kind of like what they touched on in um, Full Metal Jacket with the helicopter gunner. You know, because when they are well, when they were in yeah, certain zones, yeah. you see movement, you fucking shoot at it. That's not everywhere. But that's where all that comes from. So yeah, I, I, like, I get what you're saying yeah. as far as like how they're portraying it in the film. Yes. Mm-hmm. I get I get that. Yeah. I, I'm it's, saying it's not it's just out of the animosity and Yes, there was probably aggression at some points, of course, because yeah. it's a fucking war. Mm-hmm. People do shitty yeah. things in war. I don't give a fuck what side mm-hmm. you're on. Everybody does shitty things. But yeah, it's it, like like we were saying earlier. It like all comes back to the whole: let's get everything that we possibly can from the entire Vietnam War and put it into a film. 
exactly. Yep. But you know, but that saying though, as horrible as it sounds, it's tastefully done in a sense. It's not Americans being like, let's fucking kill these guys. It's like, no, there's a let's burn their homes. You know, even worse. There's a tr- there's a journey from point A to point Correct. C. There, you know, yes. and they do show that here. It's not just like. Uh, you know, Americans being brutally to show that the war was bad. It's like they, there's a, there's always a cause and effect, and it doesn't justify anything, but there always is a cause. Well, that's what that's why when the yeah. Vietnamese forces, the VC and the NBA would go into American bases or, or I, sh- I, sh- I should say coalition bases, right? They would do the same shit. They just burn everything to the fucking ground that they possibly could see because it's like burn their infrastructure, they'll leave. They have nothing then, you know. And it's like again, it's a war. Like people. People, I think, get a really glorified image of war from movies, and it's like, oh, whatever. No, wars are terrible. Like, it is literally the worst fucking thing that can happen, and people are at their worst when you're in a war and you're in that situation. Um, yeah, there, there's a. If I can just jump right in, there's a. Yep. Um, there's um. I, I know you guys have you've had to have seen this interview. There's a famous interview on YouTube with um, Marine uh, Vietnam veteran Bill Earhart or. Air hard or something like that. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've yeah. seen that one. I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, he uh, he talks about that. He's like, you you go, you're, you're in the country and doing all of this horrible things. You're getting shot at, but like you never see where it's coming from. Yep. It's eventually implanted in your brain that everyone is an enemy. You know that like all of these people, no one can be trusted and stuff like that. And it's. Yep. I think that's that's a large part of it too. Yeah. And the villagers are literally caught in the middle. I've I've done a lot of research into NVA and VC, you know, tactics and things, and it's very interesting. The support base and stuff, and you, you know, they really were caught between the Americans and the tax collectors and the rice, you know, dealers. Oh, they had a lot of politics and, to endure. You know, yeah. tons. You know, and it's yep. it's it's very interesting. So yeah, the the South Vietnamese hamlet, you know, villagers, they really were having two wars you know what do you do well it's just like you give your son away to one side and the americans show up and you know it, it's, it's like it's like a lot of wars um like so for example italy in world war ii right when the allies started going into italy the same shit happened there it happens in every fucking war right but to make it more relatable like italy is like you know this country everybody oh beautiful so much history there was a civil war going on in italy during world war ii where people that had nothing to do with it had these people coming in at night saying, hey, you're going to support us, right? You know, we're fellow Italians. Okay, yeah, sure. And the next day, you've got these other guys, these Italians and allies coming in saying, oh, oh, you're supplying our enemy? Well, no, they're Italians. No, they're our enemy. Fuck you. Everything you have is gone now. And it's like it happens in every war, and that's what happened in Vietnam is, okay, so you get a village like a hamlet, right? People that are living off the land, like very rural. Okay, maybe there's one or two people that join the cause, right? But like you get the Viet Cong that come in there at night and go, hey, you have rice. You need to give us this much. We're going to store these weapons here. Okay. And then the Americans or the South Viet or the Arvin or the rock guys go in there the next day and they go, oh, fuck. And they do exactly what's shown on the film. And it's like they, they, they're not in this fucking war. But now they're affected. Their homes are gone. Their food is gone. The, their livestock is fucking dead. And it's like, that's... So that, yeah, when you say it's tastefully done, I agree with you. Because it's it shows just how fucking stupid and how, how 
people, not evil people, people can do evil things for the sake of just survival and I need to get the fuck out of here. This is what I'm told to do. If I can, if I can just do this, that gets me one step closer to going home. And that's how the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese thought. A lot of them, like the NVA rather. Um, it, a lot of them were not like fucking hardcore communists, right? If you look at that. And they weren't ideologues, but they were just like, hey, if I, if I do this, if I, if I can get these guys out of my country, that's one step closer to me going home. So most of the NBA were college age kids that were recruited from cities, mostly yep. Hanoi and places like that. Mm-hmm. And they'd never been in the jungle. And the first time they went down the trail was the first time that they were in that kind of environment. Yep. Totally different from the experiences that you get from reading memoirs. And ex- basically mirrors what the Marines talk about versus the real accounts of the IJ in the Second World War. You have in the Vietnam War of like they tote their enemy up to these incredible jungle fighters that can live off snakes and dead rice, and it's like that's a fucking emaciated like seventeen year old kid. Yeah, because they're you know that, the thing right? is like it, it, you, yeah. they're terrified of them. You know, mm-hmm. you're terrified yeah. of your enemy because they're shooting at you, they're bombing you, they're doing this, and then that's why I, I do like the I, I love watching videos of like Vietnam American Vietnam veterans going back to Vietnam now because you can and they reconnected people that were probably not shooting at them directly, but like they were enemies, you know, 60 years ago and they, and it helps them find peace. And they're like, Hey, I was terrified of you guys. Like the Americans, like we get into a firefight with Americans. That's why we, we, we fucking DD out. We got the fuck out of there because we knew we, you you guys were going to call in airstrikes or artillery. We were going to be dead. We were terrified. And then the Americans were like, well, shit, we were terrified of you. Like, we didn't know where the fuck you were shooting us from. And and so, you know, time heals a lot of things. And, you know, what this thing is, like, it shows the brutality of, like, when you're in that time period, when you're actually there, when you're doing this fucking, when you're doing other people's bidding, basically, and you're just blindly trying to kill people you don't know, it's just fucking insanity. It's, it's, it's fucking... You can't think about it. Like you can't you can't wrap your head around it unless you're actually there. And I think that's what Platoon actually does well is like the insanity part of it. You know, it's like because a lot of times, you know, in, in little firefights, the skirmishes to get in, you don't see the enemy. And I did like that too about like um I'll really quick bring up another film, but like we'll go back to this. Forrest Gump. Yeah, I was they thinking get into that about ambush, that. right? You see guys, you see shadows walking or running in the background. That's, That's the all you see you of them. See them. Yep. That's it. Because Forrest didn't know where the fuck he was shooting. Nobody knew where they were shooting. Let's call an artillery. Okay. And then something came up and bit me uh, in the buttocks. I, I was about to say it, but you, uh, yes. I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even that's great, too, because he, he's, he's doing something. He doesn't see the enemy. He doesn't know. He doesn't know where the fuck yeah. he yeah, came yeah. from. Like, that's what it felt just, like to him. <laughs> you know, it's like some some random guy probably was like, Scared shitless, laying on the ground, like, oh, there's an American. Bam! Popped a couple shots, and then whatever. It's like, so that's what, like, that's, you know, some part. And, like, um, the last battle is like that because it's chaos. It's like, you got flares up, it's at night, and you don't, until they're, like, right up on you, you don't fucking see them. There's just gunfire happening. And I was just going to say, there's just very minimal shots of them prepping and or moving into position and then before that you don't really see them at all until yeah. they're up on that first amb or that first uh walking into the ambush scene 
Well, and the Which Vietnamese then, guys, and, and before and after that, you don't see them anymore. right. And the NVA is also using they're using tactics. They're not just running like a lot of films we've reviewed, where they're just running. They're like they're actually Danger going, close. okay, yeah. here's how we're going to do this. Here's the objective. Here's where we think they are, and you can tell they're moving methodically, and it's terrifying. Well, they, well, they, well yeah. like they have they have like they have like Chinese wave tactics at the end, but it's because they're bum rushing the line because there's what an opening. What are you doing here? And like, yeah, so like, but like, but like the differences between like that and um, the difference between that and like like uh, Danger Close is that yeah. you only see them having tactics in the very beginning engagement of Danger Close, but in the rest of the time, it's just it's just rushing the waves, in charges. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, and, and, and so yeah. at this point in Platoon, like when they're actually doing the bum rushing. Well, Americans would do that, too, because it's like, okay, we're on the fucking objective. Run the fuck up there. Take it. We've got them. we got them by the ass. I mean, we were soldiers as an example of that. Like, they, they technically do a Chinese, you know, yeah. bonsai chart or Japanese bonsai chart. And the end of we were soldiers because they're pushing the objective. And they know they've got them. Uh, it's we like are. they're weakened. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> Lady down. I know. On the cold, cold grind. Wherefore? Many men have gone. Um... But no, it's like, but so that's why, like, I don't, I don't hate, and also the Vietnamese forces were not portrayed in a, besides that one scene that I bitch about, like the whole running forward, whatever, but that's one scene out of the entire film. The Vietnamese forces were not portrayed as just mindless fucking retards. You know, they're, 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 they're portrayed in this film. And I think Oliver Stone, whether he intended to do that or not, like, you know, in his writing, they came across as, yeah, it, they're formidable as fuck. They're a well-trained, good enemy, and they inflict casualties on us. We do too, but, like, it's just, it's just a fucking, it's a bloodbath. And it's like, you know, whatever. And they weren't portrayed as, like, these fucking savages, like, whatever, you know, the American propaganda shit. It was, they're portrayed as, yeah, it's, we have a problem here. Like, we have a huge problem, and we can't probably deal with it. And that's the part that I actually enjoy about Platoon is like the respect that's given towards everyone involved. So yeah, leading leading into that because we should probably jump into ratings. Um, oh yeah, do you sorry. Lead off, do you want to lead off a rating since you pretty much were leading the charge well, on that? Or I'll, I'll say one thing. Okay. We can go to, to the ratings. Um, just to touch on all the stuff you know about how horrible war is and things. When everything was over and they have the grenade scene, well, now we're true as that, you know, right at the end of it. I had this funny thought for the first time when I watched it this time. And it was like, you know, everybody in this situation is not from where they are right now. These guns are made in China. These uniform, these Americans are from across the ocean. These NVA guys are from 2,000 kilometers north of here. All this production and manpower and effort went into killing each other in this random fucking patch of jungle that nobody cares about, you know? And, like, if that doesn't sum up the Cold War, I don't know what does. Like, because it's, it's like, what the fuck? All this energy and, and things and toolings and just so that you can, you know, get it covered in blood in a place nobody gives a shit about. Like, it's just interesting to think about it, you know? And that's what modern war really has become. It's just become this, this grueling... Well, that, that's know, why... It- you know, we, we talked about Hamburger Hill. The end of that, I like that because it factors that in a lot. And yeah, so it's like, know. it's like, yeah, and that's the problem with like, you know, with modern war. It's like, yeah, nobody gives, what, what the fuck was the point? There's no, there's no front line. There's no objective. There's no pushing the bad guys back for a, on a large scale. It's just, 
a bloodbath in some piece of land that nobody fucking is ever going to know about. It's pumping arms and money into a, a proxy civil Correct. war that you blow Correct. up out of proportions. And for like, for what reason? Yep. You know, but I, I, it's funny. I saw that like all the detritus at the end. I'm just like, you know, yep. why <laughs> it's like everything where they are. Nothing is from there. Right. You know, everything had to be brought to that point. So they all could fucking murder. It's each a profound other. way yep. of looking you know? at, of thinking about so. it. Yeah. I don't know. Just, just hit me towards the end. Yeah, but. It's profound. And it's also real. It's, it's very fucking yeah. realistic. And it's like, yeah. So, well, if you're still listening, it's time to move into ratings. <laughs> okay. I'll go first this time. Um, yeah. So I, you have the talking helmet, the talking helmet. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would do that if my headphones would cooperate, but like, I'm going to, I'm just going to wear the boonie for now. Um, yeah. So this has been, again, like I've, I've said, I've seen this thing a thousand times. Like I started watching when I was a kid my dad watched it and everything and um it's a movie i know that and the older i get like the more i realize the more experience we have like we you know in the business now we know that and i'm noticing different things but like it's still for somebody on the surface level to like get a, a slight taste of what the vietnam war was like for u.s forces versus vietnamese forces I don't think it's terrible at all. And I think it's a good, again, a good like stepping stone into getting into like learning more about, you know, Oh, what's this fucking electric strawberry they're wearing on their shoulder, you know, 25th infantry division, you know, and, um, all that stuff. And technical shit aside, there wasn't a lot of technical shit that was bad actually. So there was just a few things. Um, but we already touched on that. And, the acting was good. Um, I'm just trying to think really quick about something. I always miss something because Platoon is a pretty fucking widely known film. And so I want to make sure I kind of hit. It's probably our biggest blockbuster we've done. Well, Black. Well, this, no, this is bigger than Black no. Hawk Down. This is bigger than Black Hawk Down. It is, definitely. In my experience. It definitely right? is. Because um, it's that gold standard of Vietnam. It is. And um, I think. I think just everything about it is if I were to. If somebody. Okay, how about, we'll just put it this way. If somebody came up to me that didn't know anything about history or just dabbled barely, like put their toe in and, you know, whatever, and they're like, hey, could you recommend a movie about the Vietnam War? I would say start with Platoon. I wouldn't say that's the end-all be-all, but, like, start with that, kind of get the, 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 the feel of it, how insane it was and how it's just chaotic you know and the personal struggles and all that shit i would say start with that because again like we've all got the same story like a lot of vietnam vets are like yeah platoon is probably the closest okay sure that's also the most mainstream that most of those guys have seen right and it's no fault of their own but like i would say start with platoon and then branch out from there and like your curiosity expands and whatever um, but again, it is a movie, which I just said, and overall rating, I'm sure I missed a bunch of shit to whatever, but like, let's keep this relative. We've already been going for a long time. So, uh, overall rating, I'm actually giving this an eight out of 10 for the content, the technicalities, cinematography had some issues and the editing cinematography sl slash editing had some issues. Forgivable though. 
Um, and just again, the stepping stone to get people kind of aware of like, okay, this is, it did happen in 67 and 68. This is what you're going to see technical shit aside, but like, um, yeah. So eight out of 10, Nate. Oh wait, Uh, no, you go last. You haven't seen it before. Oh, okay. Uh, Brian. So you bring up a lot of good points and stuff. And, you know, I can't really reiterate everything we said over the last two hours because um, we really just cover it in detail. But it is a very good movie. It's a very well-known movie, you know. Um, and just taking everything we've said into consideration, I'm going to give this a 9.5 out of 10. And my reasoning is that it's, Viet- the, it's the Vietnam War in a two-hour length of time. Yes, it, it shows things that didn't happen on everyone's tour. Yes, it's not like a generalization of things, but it's one platoon's experience for a short period of time. And yep. I think if, if, if somebody's interested in Vietnam, if you want to watch one movie about it, if you watch this, you'll get it. You'll get the most of the gist. You can go into films that are more specialized, like We Were Soldiers about, you know, uh, 65 or 66 Ladrang or Hamburger Hill or Danger Close or like you can get really close in like to the specialized shit if you really want to. But if you weigh this movie on a platter, if you cut out any part of it, it, it doesn't hold up. But the way it is now, it's it's Vietnam in a two-hour segment. And because of that, I think it's great. It has some issues, you know, like everything, some technical issues. Or we're talking about the squibs and things. But I really feel like it's just so ingrained in culture and just set the bar so high so early on, you know, 11 years after the war ended, that it just it deserves that rating. It's not like Apocalypse Now. It's not like really anything else, you know. And when we get to SPR, which has a similar, like, you know, cult following in, in the States, I'm not going to take that into the consideration of the, of the, you know, my score because I view that differently. Platoon just did so much for Vietnam vets and getting their kids to kind of understand, for right or for wrong, like just what taste. maybe you would have experienced. Yeah, you know, there's, there's really nothing else that just in a two-hour segment you're like, fuck. So... 9.5 it's like it just for me it, it's the gold standard of vietnam films you know from the american perspective i'll bring it out to that so um and that being said i'd love to hear your opinion Mike. um yeah i uh the, the um the quality of the movie and like the impact that it had as a you know cultural um milestone is uh you know is definitely something that should be you know um understood and taken, you know, with, with a, taken a value and all that stuff. Um, I, uh, like I say, it's not definitely not my favorite war film, not my favorite Vietnam war film, but, um, I do understand why it, uh, is, it, it was such a big deal at the time and still is. Um, I think there's a lot of things that they're very well done. Um, so on that, I, I'm, I'm going to give it a seven out of 10. Yeah. And now we will finally go to Old Bay Nate. Um, yeah, so I like, you know, I guess being the only one who hadn't seen this fully all the way, um, it did not disappoint. It held up pretty well, um, for me at least. Um, there were a few things that, you know, I kind of, I think I'd mentioned before, which is, you know, the cliche, but then I have to remember that this was probably setting the cliche. Of, of most Vietnam films uh, after this. Um, 
And so I had to take it with a grain of salt in that regard. But overall, I mean, the cinematography was, you know, good. It wasn't bad. The editing wasn't bad. Um, special effects, except for the jet, were pretty good. Um, you know, little nitpicky things. I mean, I don't know much about the historical uh, context, like, you know, with weapons, all the, other than the obvious and the, uh, and the and the gear, other than the obvious. But nothing really stood out in that regard. So... Um, I did do some research while you guys were talking and, uh, something I wanted to check in, I forgot to talk about was, uh, Platoon had a budget of $6 million, which I thought was really, really admirable for, but it, again, it's also 1987 era. So I'm not quite sure what inflation, what that would be. Probably like 15, but, 20 nowadays. Yeah. Something like around there. But the crazy thing is they made $137 million. I mean that's that's and and the movie studio is Orion, and they did RoboCop and First Blood and um, uh, Dances with Wolves. Um, so they installed a money printer in their studio. Yeah. Well, and that's then they job. went bankrupt in like '95, I think. Uh, Too much coke. Yeah. So oh, that sucks, man. Uh, but then um, actually, they just got re. They just booted it back up. I was reading about that as you guys were talking. They booted it back up in. 2020 and amazon bought it and they're in negotiation i think they bought it or were in negotiations with walt with uh, warner brothers or disney they're bidding for it and i think amazon bought it so i think amazon owns most of the rights for most of the orion pictures now well, but uh that might mean something good for future movies orion was notorious for being very kind of hands-off and letting the their filmmakers be creative you know yeah yeah it, it'd be interesting going into it but like it overall i mean like I wasn't disappointed. I, I liked all the acting in this movie. We talked about that, you know, a lot. And I liked a lot of the things uh, that you guys had kind of talked about, you know, historical context. So, I mean, I don't know why, but it's not going to get a nine from me, but I think it's going to get an eight. I, I enjoyed it. I don't know what's bringing it down, but it just felt like an eight to me. So I'm going to give it eight screen Mill Gibson's out of 10. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it and I'm, Probably gonna end up watching it again, like in the background, just to kind of digest it more. Um, I think honestly, I think the whole like William Defoe, even though it is a pinnacle thing, the whole thing of William Defoe getting killed by um, Tom Barnes, Barringer. just I, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It just felt weak. Yeah, the, in my opinion, that is the weakest part of the movie. Like yeah. uh, this, the parts where they're just like bullshitting and being GIs, like that's where the yep. movie shines, you know? Yeah, that's where the movie shines. And then it's like, oh, you disagreed with me. And you're going to like, you know, I, I get it. He's going to report him. He's going to follow through with a with a military, you know, hearing and all that stuff. I get the, the push of that wanting to do that. But you, the killing of it, I just feel like is an extreme, which I get. They're trying to point out about the madness infecting other people so far that it's letting him kill his own guy. I get it, but it but just it, yeah. felt just a little I agree. cliche. But again, that's cliche after this movie, so like that's how I feel. But it's just how I feel. But well, I, I'm going to give it yeah an eight out of ten. So I don't feel bad. Really quick, Brian, before you give us the final total, uh, my wife we watched it a few months ago because I just got a wild hair at my ass to watch mm -hmm. it again, and she's like, "It's pretty boring," <laughs> and I was like. Really? Like it? She's like, yeah. I mean, it's a war movie. And I'm like, oh fuck! Like really? So that's like the first. She's never seen it, and she watches. She's like, yeah, it's a war movie. So it's like, yeah, to that audience, you know, that 
has to watch it with people or whatever. Yeah, I, I can I can see where it's like it. That's why I couldn't give it more than an eight either. Is because I take that into consideration. Is like, okay, people that are interested in history, maybe they'll like it. But like most people, it's just kind of a okay. It's a war movie. Yeah. And, and, like, and, and yeah. to me, and to me, it's more than that. To me, it was engaging enough. Like I Correct. didn't look at my phone, or anything like that. It just, it, right. again, it's just, I think it's the time with the push, but yep. again, still a good movie. If you're like me and you haven't seen it, watch it. It's yeah. Good. It's definitely worth the watch. Yeah. hundred, 150% yeah. worth the watch. I would recommend yeah. it to anyone, anytime. That's why I made her watch it. And yeah, it's like, she didn't dislike it. And like, I've never met anybody that like disliked it. And there was like, ah, shit, whatever. The worst case is, oh, it was boring, but it's like, okay, she's not also not a history nerd, you know? And okay. It's a war movie. And like, that's fine. The worst case you want to be in a film is neutral, you know? Brian. So score, putting the scores into the computer that will tell us if we're going to win the Vietnam war. (laughs) Uh, we get an eight point one out of ten. So, so. The, the old the old <laughs> reference works because that's what you used to say yes. all the time. Yeah. Well, did did so, we win the Vietnam? Yeah. War? Oh. Yeah. Am I a man? Why, technically, yes, I am. Um, is this real? So, is this real? Yeah. No. It's yeah. Eight, eight, eight point one. Yeah. I mean, that's very good for, for you know because we're, we're pretty fucking harsh on scoring these films. True. We're, we're douchebags. Well, most of us. Including myself, <laughs> but um, no, it's like eight point one is a. It, that means it's a solid fucking recommendation. Watch it. Oh yeah, if you haven't before, which you know. yeah. I always it, again, I always tell people if it's over like a five, yep. you should give it a chance. Correct. No, no, if you have an interest, you should watch it, even if it's bad. Oh, true. Then, yeah, we know yeah, we do. If say you make that, a bad yeah. decision, it's this life you learn from yeah. it. You know, but um, opinions are gas holes, as they say. It's the opposite um, of a waste of time. How about that? It's the opposite of a waste of time. Oh, fuck yeah. You're, you're, well, actually, it is a waste of time because you're going to want to watch it again, which is like... Instead it's of not a waste, gone, though. four, and then that's... Six. High in a Road uh, is yeah, a fucking oh, waste. Yeah. Midway is a waste. Yes. <laughs> I, so it's I time well I mean? spent. That's the opposite of a waste of time. <laughs> it's time well spent. <laughs> it's an investment. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. We've come full circle. We waste our so. time so you guys don't have to. <laughs> Yeah, right. That should be the tagline yeah. of our podcast. <laughs> we waste we waste our time so you don't have to. <laughs> For your enjoyment. <laughs> Jesus. How fucking oh, arrogant funny. is that? But like it's true. <laughs> Jamie, write that down. Jamie, Jamie, uh, pull it up, Jamie. Jamie, write, write down. Return of the frogs game. <laughs> so Thank you guys for joining us. And, you know, for all you uh, FNGs in country, just think positive. You know, like count up, you know, like count the months and stuff. You know how you're going. And uh, make sure to keep your pecker hard and your powder dry and things will be all right, baby. It's just 365 and a wake up. And we'll catch you guys next week. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, Make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out.